Let's get it going. It's time to get up. I think this guy has a chance to be a top six player. We don't have a lot of time to find out. Just thought we'd put him with Bo right away and, and kind of see if he looks out of place, in place, or maybe surprises us. You know, so far it's one of the latter two for sure. These guys are here to break it all down. Um, the NHL wants fans uh, as soon as it can, uh, especially when it comes to the playoffs. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Are you not entertained? This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski. What's happening, everybody? TGIF. Almost there. You've almost survived the first week after the holidays. It is Friday, January 8th, wherever you are. Happy birthday, Elvis. James Sabolski here. Perry Solkowski there. Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass. This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Friday, buddy. Best day of the week, isn't it? Okay, so I'll, I'll challenge myself as we'll, we'll talk NFL numbers uh, throughout the next three hours with over-unders. You caught me by surprise. Happy birthday, Elvis. <laughs> I'm going to guess within, see if I can be within four. Man, I would have no idea. how. 83? He would be, well, 1935. So, yeah, he'd be, what, 86? Oh, 90, uh, was, yeah, uh, 86, yeah. good math. Had, 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 he, had he not, yeah, had he not kicked off over 40 years ago, um, yeah, he'd, Elvis would be 86 today if he was still alive, which he might be somewhere in Dawson Creek or some small town. You can't be an Elvis impersonator and not, uh, even with the mask on, right? If you're in the, mind you, if you're an Elvis impersonator and you still have that look, right? You always you're in a mall and you see a guy. Oh, I bet you I'm going to throw down what this guy does on the weekends, right? He's he's working the pubs. He's an Elvis impersonator. Like you can't hide that look. I always find it disturbing. I had a buddy once who worked in the media and was just thrilled one summer that summer that he was going out with a Tina Turner lookalike. What does she do? Oh, she's Tina Turner. Like I think he actually thought, and he was a strange dude. I think he actually loved that summer that he thought he was actually dating Tina Turner. Well, I mean, at the time, Tina Turner was quite the smoke show, for a lack of a better description, well, right? I'm not I mean, saying it, well, but like, all I, I remember, don't know. Pair, I always question those people who are impersonators. Like, how pair, all I can remember is the the one woman that my dad would would kind of oogle over that I never quite understood when I was about eight or nine. You know, we'd be watching, you know, especially at the time in the mid 80s when videos were just all the rage and all the kick ass videos like Thriller and Sledgehammer. And, you know, the two videos my dad would rave about, you know, any ZZ Top video and a Tina Turner. And he would always like, oh, look at those legs. You know, and you didn't quite, quite, I wasn't quite onto the gimmick at that point in time. But, you know, my dad would always, oh my God, look at those legs. Tina Turner. So if she was repping those legs as the Tina Turner lookalike, which if you're going to be a Tina Turner lookalike, you probably have, you have to have to. decent legs, right? Guess my thought is I'm always leery of someone who makes a living pretending they're someone else. More importantly, is there still a market for an Elvis impersonator in 2021? We're getting to that time, hey, that, hey, let's go see Elvis. Like the Neil Diamond used to be cool to see the odd guy. Nearly Neil, Neil, yeah. I, yeah. Not so much. Didn't anymore. think we 
Yeah, there you, there you go. Impersonators. <laughs> As All I right. read somewhere during this pandemic, if you're by yourself, having multiple personalities is a pretty good thing. Uh, <laughs> if there was ever a year, 2021, uh, at, at this point, 2021 is kind of like, hey, 2020, hold my beer for a second. Uh, lots to get to here over the next uh, three hours on this Friday edition. Uh, no shortage of Canucks conversation. We're going to hear from Travis Green in just a quick moment. Uh, NFL playoffs also kicking off this weekend as well. Steve Rapp from Sports Interactions Inside the Line is going to try to pick you three winners coming up in about 15 minutes from now. Uh, we'll also catch up with Brock Heward our former Monday morning quarterback, a Fox Sports analyst as well. We'll drop a bite. Jeff Merrick from the 31 Thoughts podcast, along with Elliot Friedman. Jeff Merrick will join us just after 7 o'clock. And your Canucks commute, this should be a treat today, coming up at 8. Shorty and Cheech together again. We'll talk to both John Garrett and John Shorthouse coming up at 8 o'clock this morning. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. At Sportsnet 650 is where you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. At P. Solkowski is where you can find Pear. At James Sabalski is where you can find yours truly. And Perry, the good times will continue if you're a Niels Hoaglander fan or if you're on the Hoaglander watch here in Canucks camp. As Travis Green announcing yesterday that uh, he's not breaking up the band when it comes to Hoaglander, Horvat, and Pearson uh, anytime soon, at least from what the coach was suggesting. He was on our station exclusively yesterday, and the program was sat in walks. And yeah, you you are never going to get a bouquet of flowers, and and, and Travis going, hey, he's great. Um, I I think he does do that quietly with the players. Hey, keep up the good work. But they know, and Hoaglander certainly, um, you know, we we've tried to go with the hype, but hey, the coach likes what he sees, and, and I think even he's a little bit surprised. So. And, you know, I, I'm thinking on Wednesday night as everyone sits and watches Sportsnet and as many games as they could possibly see, I think there'll be a few people around the NHL world that might just go, who's this guy, right? They know what Horvat did in the bubble. They'll understand the, you know, Besser and Pedersen and Hughes. But if you get, if, if there's any way Hoaglander is the fifth or sixth best Canuck on the ice next week, which is very possible the way he's playing and should be because of where he's at from playing games over in Sweden. It's going to be a lot of people around the hockey world going, wow, wow, how'd they, how'd they find this gym? I think Travis had some very good points and a lot of questions as much as we've all kind of enjoyed the story right now. I think the big question is, is it sustainable? Travis Green on Niels Hoaglander last night on the program with Andrew Walker and Satyar Shah speaking uh, quite glowingly about what he's seen from the young Swedish phenom. You know, and I, I I can see the hype. He's looked good. We we wanted to give uh, give him a chance right away. And uh, you know, the one thing about young players, uh, you know, I do believe you got to put them in a spot to succeed. If they're going to succeed, I think this guy has a chance to be a top six player. Um, we don't have a lot of time to find out, and. Um, you know, just thought we'd put him with Bo right away and, and kind of see if he looks out of place, in place, or maybe surprises us. And, um, you know, so far it's one of the latter two for sure. He's, he's looked well. He's played well. Uh, we'll keep him there for tomorrow and see if he keeps progressing. There are different types of speed as we go through training camp, preseason, and regular season. There's scrimmage speed, preseason speed, then regular season. And he's looked good right. in scrimmage. We saw it last night, right, Travis? Especially right. in that third period. 
But it's going to be quite a jump if he makes a team to play, say, in the regular season. Is this kind of about, can he show enough for him to get a chance when the regular season starts? And then the next evaluation process might begin if he earns that spot. Yeah, I think that's all part of the stuff that we have to take into consideration. Um, you know, we, we understand when we watch the games uh, that, you know, as, as much as you, how do I explain this? Alex Adler is going to, be a lot better in the first game of the season than he was yesterday. Um, you know, I'm guessing Miller will be as well. These guys, uh, they, they're still getting their bodies going. Um, whereas a guy like Hoglander, he's, you know, we're seeing him at his best. He's doing whatever he has to do to, to make the team. Uh, and as much as everyone on the team, we want them doing that. We know that certain young guys are, are giving us everything they have. And he's also been playing for, a little while already, which is a real benefit for us and for him. So uh, for me, it's just a matter of, hey, he's he's shown it so far. Uh, I'm not going to overthink it and and start thinking about different speeds. He's looked good, and uh, I'm going to keep him there uh, as of now. Enjoy it while you can, right? And I'm going to get into this much more coming up in a few minutes. So what Seaball says at 6:30 here, pair. But the question being, is it sustainable? And I think what Travis Green is saying right now is, "Hey, look, it works right now. Let's, you know, let's not build a statue outside of Rogers Arena. Let's not proclaim a spot in the Ring of Honor. But at this point in time, like what I'm seeing, and obviously the fact that he's got a huge competitive advantage at the moment, having played hockey for the better part of the last three, four months. It's like a video game. There are an awful lot of levels that you have to get to to actually be in the NHL. And getting drafted is level one, but that's really when the game starts. So, you know, I, I think that's why we were excited about this team because – there was a question, as, as it is with Hoaglander, well, okay, so can you do this when it's when it's real? We had that question posed to this entire roster in July and August. Okay, so what do you like when it actually means something? When the playoffs are on the line and you're going to be pushed back, I think we were all so pleased to see, and, and very simply look at a Pedersen standpoint. Okay, guess what? After the whistle and everything's going on, you're going to be pushed around here. And he was like, yeah, I'll be pushing right back and I'll be hitting people back. And you go, okay, there's another compete level. And I think we're excited to go. Yeah, everyone has it. Bo Horvat has that level. So these guys are now good for the playoffs when and if they get there. Hoaglander is so far back in this video game going, all right, so you have to show it. And all he can do is make sure he shines in the situation he's in. But the problem and the question becomes Wednesday. All right, the situation is different. And the first Wednesday of February and March will be much different than the first game on Wednesday. But boy, all he can do is say, yeah, I've got it right. And you wait for failure and uh, there's no failure yet. I think there will be. I, I just can't see it continuing to be this good. But if it is, man, uh, you need something to happen for this Canucks team for the first time ever to get to the top of the mountain and win a Stanley Cup championship. And having four guys step in like they have in the last four seasons and be impact players, like that's crazy, James. Think of it. So you got your probably the most natural goal scorer we've seen in a uniform in the rookie year that Brock brought us. Then Pedersen becomes your, uh, you know, a guy that you legitimately can say could be the best player, you know, in team history. And we've already anointed Quinn Hughes as the best defenseman that's ever put on a uniform. Now you're telling me the next year in a row you get a guy that's crazy. 
Well, here's the other thing that, you know, you could have uh, Vasily Podkolzin here, you know, by early May if if things go the Canucks way in terms of a scheduling standpoint and where he kind of ultimately falls into. Travis made a really good point with Alex Edler and JT Miller as examples to say that where those guys mm-hmm. are now, you know, in another week or so, those guys will be much better, right? You know, it's 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 an adjustment for these veteran bodies who are used to coming to camp all the time and you know, I think guys have come into camp in shape. I don't think there's any denying that, but it's it's being ready to go from a game standpoint. I mean, we're also basing this on two practices and a scrimmage. But our Sportsnet 650 Twitter poll question, I love this question this morning. Niels Hoaglander, over under eight goals in the NHL this season. Right now, 77% of you say, I'm taking the over. I'm going to lean towards the under on this bet, pair. Because, well, you're negative toward kids. Well, it's right? not it's not even being negative, but it's it's first off, it's a fifty six game season. And you also have to stay keep in mind that is he going to is he going to stay with the Canucks all season long as well, right? Like we've we've seen lots of exciting shiny new toys before. And like eight goals to me, that's that's still a lot of goals in a fifty six game campaign. In the National Hockey League, I put me down for under for now, and I know I'm in the distinct minority on this one. But again, my, the biggest question is: Is it sustainable? Two things of everything we've heard in the last five days since camp began, um, you know, and Travis's clips there, which you're not going to have going. I will take what Anton Roussel said on this station a couple days ago as the the biggest endorsement for Hoaglander because I'm going to take a guy who's been in the NHL a long time, a guy who's been a bunch a bunch of training camps and and knows what it, it what it takes to play and have the skill. And he was all in if you didn't hear said, "Man, I take this kid in my draft." Now he also may be all in and James, I would take the over on this simply because, you know, yes, shiny new toy, but what else is on the shelf? Uh enigmatic Jake Bertanen who, you know, might be a really nice fit in playing that role and people not going, hey, we need you to go score goals. A Louis Erickson, who, you know, by all reports has been really slow. We're wondering, you know, I'm excited to and very interested to see what they end up doing with their decisions on the taxi squad. And and, and Zach McCune, who has some energy, but doesn't have that skill set that Bo Horvat has. I am saying Bo Horvat, when he goes home to Gunner and his wife Holly in the last three or four nights, might be going, you know, this kid's unbelievable. Like I've been waiting five years to have something like this. Now I've got it with me. So that's why I'll go with the over. I understand the reason to be hesitant to it, but I think this kid, because he's going to have some chances to have some off games. We're not talking gold open. We're not talking about some prospect who might have a shot and be in and out. If the player like Anton Rossell says, this kid can go, I, I, I'm taking the over and I don't know if this is a one-off. He might be able to put it off. He had just five goals in the Swedish Hockey League in, in close to 30 games this season. But we yep. remember the, the filthy goals he scores, but he only had five in the Swedish Hockey League. Now you're dealing with what? You're dealing with the best goaltenders on the planet. And, you know, 60, 62 of them at this point in time. Now you're only going to deal with a dozen of them across the league, but that's the other thing. You know, he only had five goals in the Swedish league. Now he's going to the best hockey league in the world. I think that's something to be mindful of. He looks great right now. He looks great. I don't want to be the hater, but if I'm, I'm, we're talking about a bet, I'm taking the under. 
I think what might be more interesting too than the number of goals is how many games does he play? This guy's not playing 56 games, but he is, if everything's okay, I would imagine playing the 35 or 40 and, and, and grinding it out. I'd say also in the Swedish hockey league, much like Pedersen was the superstar over there, that Holglander probably got a lot of attention and was likely the best player on that team and on that line. And I don't think that's the case. I think he has a nice respect for what he's about to try and accomplish, right? Mm. Saying he was nervous when he saw him up with Bo Horvat and with Pearson. And credit Travis Green and this lineup too, James, because I did not think that's where he would get slotted. Usually it's, oh, you work way up to that possibility. But this kid worked his way up in the sense that, check a look at the whiteboard, here you go. See if you can do it. Here's the keys to the car. Let's see how long you can drive it. That's that's something I think that's very important, and we've talked about a couple times this week, that I love the fact that Travis Green and the coaching staff have given this kid an opportunity to show what he can do with quality talent to play alongside Captain Bo Horvat and Tanner Pearson. All right, we'll continue the conversation. Much more coming up in just a few minutes on this uh, on this Friday morning. Love to hear from you on the Dunbar Lumber text line as well, 650-650. As we shift gears and the NFL playoffs kick off tomorrow morning and uh, looking forward to this. Six games on the slate this weekend. Let's bring in Steve Rapp from Sports Interactions Inside the Lines, TGI. And a happy new year to you, sir. Happy new year, gentlemen. I hope you had a great holiday season and didn't uh, go out there and party too much and stuff. You know, it's been been one of those, right? Too much sugar. Too mm-hmm. much sugar, yeah. Isn't that Halloween? <laughs> and Christmas, too. Somebody went on a cookie baking binge down the hall here. She's still sleeping right now, but yeah, yeah. and I ate them all. Yeah, no, I, I think I went through, uh, we went through five panettones and uh, like, six things of those Costco Christmas nuts. So there you go. We're, we went, we were pretty bad. <laughs> the Christmas nuts. Yes. Yeah. And, and I don't know if, if poor eating made me more in tune with what was going on the Sundays, because as we sit 24 hours away from, you know, the first time we get to see three wild card games, six on the weekend, Steve, I'm lost. I'm looking for you as is our audience going, okay, where are we going here? Um, let's start it off. And, and set us up for what we're going to see on Saturday morning with the Buffalo Bills team minus six and a half against an Indianapolis Colts team that I think is a little bit underrated. Oh, okay. Because the Bills opened a six and a half point favorite that quickly moved to seven at Sports Interaction. Uh, that's now weighted to the dog at Sports Interaction because the professionals, uh, like the Colts, are plus seven. The total is mm-hmm. 51 and a half. Your bankroll would be pretty light if you've been fading the Bills all season. I'm kind of guilty of that, guys. They led the league in covers going 11-5 against the spread. Since week nine, this is amazing. They've gone 8-0 against the spread, and they've covered those games by an average of almost 15 points a game. Um, Also, on a personal note, maybe it's the pandemic, uh, but I feel like I've been waiting my whole life to fade one Phillip Rivers on the road in a playoff game. Um, (laughs) I I, I just know there are no fans, but the ghosts of Bill's Mafia haunt those stands, and when Phil sees ghosts, he usually throws it to them. Um, bills have been rolling. Maybe it's a square play, hey, guys, here. but And I think it's still cheap. You can now buy it down to six and a half, get it at six and a half. Uh, I'm not going to step in front of this freight train. The Bills just look like they're rolling and are having fun. I can't see them being thrown off by a, an early uh, Saturday playoff game. Um, I'm going to lay the points here with the, with the Bills. I, I like the Bills, too, here. And, and just offense, like, this is a team right now, Steve, that 
they could have won it this they'd be on a 10 game winning streak if it wasn't for that Hail Mary with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins going back at the end of November here so I I think the Bills are the team, to, and and I think they cover the number as well. All right, number two, uh, you got the Seahawks and the Rams, uh, the middle game, and and the game that probably on the calendar for most people in these parts this week, and they're most looking forward to. I'm, I'm assuming we're taking the under in this one, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's actually a, that's actually a great uh, great pick. That's one of the weird ways I'm going with this game, and and it's only because it only feels like these two teams play each other every week. Uh, we've seen great games within the NFC West, but I'd be surprised to see any kind of shootout here. Uh, Seattle Open is a five-point chalk with a total of 43. Uh, now that Cooper Cup will play and Jared Goff may play for the Rams, that dropped it to three and a half. I'm not sure that Goff is one and a half points over over Wolford, but but Cup makes a big difference. I would normally say fading Goff in the playoffs would be the way to go here, but there's a gambling rule that just supersedes that for me, especially in the playoffs. Better defense take getting points. We're in January, a time when the defense more than not wins games. We get the number one defense in the league against the Seahawks team not known for protecting its QB. Wilson has struggled against the Rams. He's 8-10 and 10 straight up with 11 interceptions, 72 sacks against them. We know your boy Seattle's pension from playing in close games. I like the defense and more than a field goal here. Uh, take the three and a half with the number one defense and Goff's injured thumb. But also, as you mentioned, I like the, you know, the unders are 11-7-1 in divisional playoff games. I, I, I don't see, I'm with you, I don't see how this game gets to 43. I would also lean to the under here. Yeah, that'll be interesting. You know, the Seahawks defense has been so good, and if Russell has a chance, I mean, I mean I'm, you would think the Rams know who their QB is. They know they've kind of kept it at question what goes there. Uh, what do you like in the night game as this wraps up on Saturday? Uh, yeah, Tom, terrific under the bright lights in a playoff game. I guess some things even the pandemic can't change. Uh, Tampa opened as a seven-and-a-half-point road favorite. And we know in the playoffs, public money can move a number over, over the sharp money because there's so much more of it. And the public has pushed this now to, uh, to nine, uh, the total 44 and a half. I'm going to give you a word of warning to those who follow the public wave. Uh, the Bucks will be the third playoff road favorite of seven or more since 2003. The first, the first two of those lost outright. I'm trying to think what the second one is, but I believe the first one was when New Orleans went to Seattle as a big uh, big favorite and Seattle beat them. Is that not correct? Might be, yeah. Probably hmm. about five years ago or so. Anyways, we, we just talked about the number one defense in the league getting points. Now we have the second best defense taking a ton of points. Uh, the goat isn't as nimble as he once was. You better get the ball out to those receivers quickly as Chase Young and company will keep him moving. I know Washington can't score. And, and Tampa's defense isn't bad either. But if you're laying a bunch of points against a good defense, your offense better not give up any. And there's always, that's always a problem with the football team. I mean, a turnover, they, they, they like the defensive score. They a lot, of, a lot of scooping scores, a lot of short fields. Tampa, I believe, will win this one, but you might want to look at them at a teaser because it's going to be tough for them to cover this big number of 10 or 10.5 by the time game time comes around. Well, and that's... Washington. I think a lot of people forget just how good Washington's defense was this year. Oh, mm-hmm. They're really good. They are. And I get that they great. play in the NFC East, and you look at the one-loss record. But you know, you take away that two and seven start for Washington, and you look at how they've kind of played the last what seven games here, Steve. That's a pretty good football club. 
on one side of it, their 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 offense is really really bad. I mean, really really bad. Um, but their defense gives them short fields, and and their defense means that you know give them a short field. They put up ten. They put up thirteen. You know now now you got to Tampa's got to put up twenty four against you know the second best defense in the league, and 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 it's going to pressure Brady. And and Brady's good when he can get the ball up quickly, and he has a nice pocket. But if he's got to move around. He throws the ball to the ground quite a bit. Uh, you guys are back at it on uh, Sunday morning uh, for the Sunday picks on Sports Interactions Inside the Lines here on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, we got uh, we got three games. Uh, so and with with COVID and, and Cleveland being in one of those games, Browns going to Browns. Uh, we'll have all the uh, we'll have all the updates on Sunday morning. There we go. All right, have a great weekend, man. I love the picks Thanks, and uh, let's get paid this Good weekend. Luck. Thank you. Have a great weekend, guys. Thanks, Enjoy Steve. all That's, those games. Uh, Thank you. That's uh, Steve Rapp, Sports Interactions Inside the Lines. And uh, maybe it's a dangerous stop, but I like where he's going, uh, trying to shift the money here this weekend. Uh, I think I will put a little money on Washington even outright. I just think those seven guys up front, Chase Young leading the way, might be able to get to the statue that Tom Brady is. Now, Brady can figure everything out, but that page, that you know, the offense hasn't always been on the same page. And that would mean the defense will have to score seven. And uh, yeah, I just, there's nothing offensively, but Gibson's a good running back. Maybe that is our massive upset on the national stage Saturday night. He is Tom Brady, but there's been a, you know, when he's lost big games, uh, you know, AKA Super Bowls and the Giants and a Michael Strahan in his face, that's why it's happened. It's going to be fascinating to see what takes place. Hey, man, that's first time ever. Three wild card games on a Saturday, three on a Sunday. Wild card weekend was always fantastic. And now, They've added these two extra games because of the playoffs. It's going to be an awful lot of fun. I totally like Washington to at least cover the number on that one at a plus eight right now. Um, take it. Jump on it. As uh, Steve suggested, it might even shift to an even higher number by the time you get to kickoff. All right, 25 minutes after 6 o'clock here on this Friday morning on this January 8th. He's Perry Silkowski. I'm James Sabolski. Lots more Canucks conversation coming your way in a moment. We've been talking about Niels Hoaglander. A lot of you are on the Hoag train, including the Vancouver Canucks right now. He is the star of the camp, but is it sustainable? We'll continue that discussion next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. You know, I was like a this opportunity to talk about myself. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. Loyal listener to Sportsnet 650, Vikingstad, or at Hockey Rock Beer on Twitter, sent us this thought yesterday on Niels Hoaglander. Could go any way, but it's fun that there's some possibilities. On the one hand, he's looking great, but so did Anton Rodin. On the other hand, he's 5'9", but so is Brad Marchand. Yeah. Niels Hoaglander, the training camp sensation in Vancouver, has been the biggest story in camp, despite his small stature. If we're taking bets right now, we've been talking a lot about bets already this morning, everyone is on the offensive whiz kid from Sweden, who only turned 20 less than three weeks ago to crack the NHL roster. He has been thrust in a position to show what he can do. Not in some hodgepodge of prospects and grinders, but quality pieces on the roster lining up with Canucks captain Bo Horvat and Tanner Pearson. He's making the most of his opportunities through the first three days on the ice and obviously benefiting from having already been playing overseas. And yes... Some of us in the media are clearly just excited at seeing and covering hockey for the first time since Labor Day weekend in these parts. But as much as Hoaglander has impressed, 
he remains a massive unknown. Yes, he's been good, but is it sustainable? After all, like our listener mentioned, this could go many different ways. For all his offensive magic, and he's an online sensation in this department. It is worth pointing out that Hoaglander had just five goals and 14 points in 23 games in the Swedish League this year. And his defensive game was called out just last month by his coach overseas. You know, there's been a couple turnovers in the neutral zone by the same player that's cost uh, one against. So I think it's it's impressive, but, uh, you know, there's he, he knows there's still a ways to go to be the player he wants to be. We've been excited with shiny new toys here in Vancouver in the past. I mean... Jason King, people. He got off to a quick start with 10 goals in his first 17 games playing with the Sedins in 2003. He scored just two more the rest of his NHL career. Steve Correa offered a lot of hope, but Paul's brother turned out to be more like Jose Canseco's twin, Ozzy. Same with Sergey's bro and Canucks cult fave Fedor Fedorov, who is best known for getting his butt kicked by Kevin Bieksa. Nick Goldobin got us excited for about 10 minutes before he became one of the most frustrating players we've seen here in years. And I guess we should also give honorable mentions to both Jonathan Dolan and Petrus Palmu. I will remember you. Even proven vets offered hope when they first landed here in Vancouver. Remember when Louis Erickson was supposed to be the perfect tonic for the aging twins? I mean, he had scored 25 or more five times prior to landing here before. The biggest hole in the Canucks is up front right now in their top six. Vertanen isn't the answer because they clearly know what they've got, and as Bertuzzi likes to say, it is what it is. So Hoaglander is getting the opportunity, and while he's likely the choice to start here, his current stats, size, and defensive deficiencies do make it hard to think that it's sustainable. But until proven otherwise, we might as well buckle up and enjoy the ride while it lasts. Woo-hoo! And that's this morning's Seaball Says. You you can put a list of, of names in there and, and say, hey, come training camp. Remember, this guy did everything, but it's... You know, the resume that Hoagland comes with, Hoaglander comes with, you know, we just sat and watched a World Junior Tournament and we're like, wow, boy, we're, we're going to see a bunch of superstars on both those teams from a Canadian side and, and a USA side. Well, you know, when he was playing against the guest juniors in the world, he was also a standout showing what he could do. So he goes and he scores some ridiculous goals, not on a regular basis against the pros. I just think everybody can get accustomed to the newest level. We might get excited about an Anton Rodin from a distance, but I can't remember any player giving a shout out to a Petrus Palmer or Rodin or even a um, even even the skills of Goldobin to go, man, he can do it. So I, I do think we have to be careful, James, but I also think right now what we're seeing with the skill set that Hoaglander has, it's at a different level. And it's at a different level by those who are on the ice with him and those who are watching who are tempering what he's saying. 
Well, and, and remember, some of these guys and prospects that I was referencing, you know, they did it in, in preseason games and, you know, exhibition games and even the start of regular seasons. I mean, we're talking about scrimmages and two practices to this point. It's a very, very small sample size. But I will say this. It, it's not just the media that is liking what they're seeing. Organizationally, I think the Canucks have been very pleased with what they've seen. They gave Hoaglander a shot and said, show me what you got, kid put him in a situation that he could succeed and thrive offensively. And to this point here, pair this week, he's doing it. Now I think things are going to start to tighten up here. They're back on the ice later on today. There'll be another scrimmage, no doubt, this weekend as well. And we're five days from opening night. Like at this point in time, Hoaglander to me is going to be on the roster on opening night. It's just a For question sure. of just how sustainable this is going to be. And, I guess it's the old saying, until you know, you don't know. How good is it that he has a couple of countrymen to look at who know what it's like and what he's going through? A, a parental figure and, and the wise old man and Alex Edler who can communicate. And then the shiniest of new toys in the NHL who walks and always had with the swagger. And I think Hoaglander is the similar mindset in Pedersen. To say, you know what, I did the exact same thing that you are, it can work. And, and if people watched any of the any of the highlights and any of the video clips that were coming, you know, there was one shift where Hoaglander dangled Pedersen and then Pedersen gave it back to him like about 10 seconds later. Hey, there is a chip on the shoulder of these two young stars. Pedersen has carried it right through and found stardom in the NHL. And you got to think that they're having some really interesting conversations. And that could be a perfect beacon to lead the way for Hoaglander with Pedersen going, no, you can do it. Here's what you're going to run into. You're going to have a lot of people talking to you, but don't change it. I did it, and it works, and you've got the skills to do it too. I would bet quietly those two are having some really meaningful conversations off the ice. Uh, at Sportsnet 650, our Twitter poll question this morning, eight goals over under for Niels Hoaglander. Right now, 82% of you are taking the over for more than eight goals, uh, only 17% of you say under. Duncan saying, uh, go over. Tis the season for wildly unreasonable expectations. Joel saying, I will say, depending on where he slots in, I would give him 10 to 12 goals. That's some reaction on Twitter. Uh, there are a couple of others uh, also uh, jumping in here, uh, texting in Torian Langley, uh, saying you're also playing with Horvat, second line, not third. I'd say about 8 to 10 goals as possible and would be a success. So, again, keep in mind as well, we're talking about a 56-game sprint. So uh, a lot of people jumping in here bright and early on this question here at 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line and also at Sportsnet 650 on Twitter pair. James, and, and here's something that's breaking news that we want to pass on to our listeners. And when we talked to Brian Burke yesterday and we talked about injuries and Travis Green mentioned it yesterday when he was he was on the program of Satin Walks, he said, man, we need, we need depth, right? Talked about the blue line, we need depth. When Burke was talking about it, he says, hey, you're going to lose players to injuries. You're going to lose players to COVID. I hope not, but, you know, in all likelihood. So news just coming out that the Dallas Stars have canceled their practice today. And what's important is the team cannot reveal why. And we're being told that the league will handle the communications on this matter. Now, a team, if the Vancouver Canucks cancel practice, they're not, people. I'm telling you, the Dallas Stars have. The way it's set up with the NHL, if the team doesn't say why and decides, hey, we decided on off day, they would say that. But when they can't tell you why, that's the setup that they have with the NHL. The league 
is set up on any updates as far as testing. So I would conclude that for the first time, and we are only five days away, there's got to be an issue with the Dallas Stars somewhere in that organization that they have been told to cancel practice today. This is the first time we'll mention it, James. Considering the numbers right across North America, I don't think this is the last time. And you wonder, as we get set for the NFL playoffs tomorrow, and they had to dart things around, is that possible and something we're going to have to see juggle with the NHL schedule? Yeah, I think that's an excellent point, right? Because teams cannot reveal any COVID-19 news and that it's all being handled through the National Hockey League. So if you want to connect the dots, I think that's that's a great observation. And let's not also keep in mind, the Dallas Stars are one of, what, five teams that are talking about having fans in the stands as well, right? Texas, yeah, I mean, Florida, I mean, the usual Texas, suspects. Florida, yeah. Arizona. So, um, you know, what do you do? It, it's okay to move a football game that's played Sunday and move it to a Tuesday night. But say this happens and you have to, you know, let's assume we're, we're a week farther down the calendar. And all of a sudden the Dallas Stars offer this news and are supposed to play the next night. How do you pull that off and how do you juggle? How much room is in the schedule to move games around? I, I don't think we're going to go through this year without saying oh, they've had to cancel it. So, uh, you know, this is not going to be the smooth ride where where we know they're playing every other night. Might be better here in Canada, but this could be the first time where we're going to say, okay, how will this how will this affect things? Look, I think the reality is we saw this happen in Major League Baseball. We saw it happen and we've seen it happen in the NBA already. We've seen it happen over the course of the season in the National Football League. You know, teams aren't playing in bubbles this year, you know. Guys are, you know, everybody's everybody's human. Vaccines aren't around for everybody just yet. And so we're going to see this happen over the course of the NHL season. Like it or not, it is going to come up. 642 here on this Friday morning. Jeff Merrick from the 31 Thoughts podcast along with Elliot Friedman. Uh, Merrick will join us coming up just after 7 o'clock and continue the Canucks conversation five days to the start of the NHL season. And in a moment, we crunch the numbers. We're playing Stat Me Up next here on this Friday morning on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Grab your calculators because it's time to stat me up on the starting lineup. Here's James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, and the million-dollar man, Scott Brown. All right, 647 here on this Friday morning. Sabalski, Solkowski, and we say Happy New Year to one Scott Brown. How are you, man? I'm well, brother. Uh, it's good to be here, and you guys good to be talking sports, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, a pair. Everything's happening. Oh, Perry's, uh, Perry's just flushing the toilet here down the hall. Uh, let's get no, into it. Uh, <laughs> are you there? I, I am. I am here. Yeah, no, I, I had it. I had the mute button on and realized that's where I get going. Hey, my number today deals with what we've been talking about, guys. The number is 14. As Niels Hoglander scores at the top of the crease, a pretty passing play with Antoine Roussel. I know we made the under over-under on our Sportsnet 650 poll question for Hoglander. Eight goals or more. But I will go back to his first year against men as we get set for him to take on his first year against NHL players. And 14, the number of points that Hoglander had scored in his first year in Sweden a couple years ago in the Swedish Hockey League. Seven goals, seven assists, minus eight. And he did that as we get set for 56-game schedule. He did that in 50 games. Scotty, what do you got? 
Well, this is a big year. 2021, start to it. Five seems to be a big number in my life this year, so let's go with five. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. There we go. So, my number, I'm not bemoaning the fact that Oscar Fantenberg will not be plying his wares with the Canucks, <laughs> but he'll be in the KHL. <laughs> we won't see his number five on ice. I did look it up, though. Greatest Canuck to wear number five, probably Christian Erhoff, but we're not talking about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number is also not about the NFL and Doug Peterson's infamous finish to the fifth season coaching the Eagles, Ooh. or what I'm referring to as Scudgate. Um and although I'm loving some NFL playoffs and my beloved Hawks have a big test tomorrow, my number's not about that. My number's about getting ready to geek out over hockey in five days. I am so ready for a 56-game season. I just am so ready. And I like how the scheduling actually kind of mimics MLB. You play people a couple times in a row. Uh, you know, you get a Canadian division. And I think there's probably got to be at least five of your listeners who are with you geeking out waiting for some hockey. Oh, 100%. And, and you look at the way that the schedule goes. Like, you drop the puck next Wednesday night, and it's boom, boom. You got back-to-backs, and then you got three and four nights. Like, what a perfect way to kind of get things rolling. I, I, I'm loving it. I cannot wait. Uh, my number this morning is 346. Lindor liftoff. Deep right field. Kepler's back. He's out of room. It's out of here. When Steve Cohen bought the New York Mets last fall, he promised to increase spending, and he seems on track to do just that after the Mets landed four-time All-Star shortstop Francisco Lindor and pitcher Carlos Carrasco from Cleveland in a blockbuster of a deal. Lindor, a career 346 on base percentage. He's averaged 29 home runs, 21 steals a season since breaking into the majors full-time. Two gold gloves under his belt as well. So basically, in a nutshell, he can hit, he can run, he can play D, and he is now poised to get paid in a big way by a New York team that can certainly afford him, and clearly not the Toronto Blue Jays, who have been rumored to be in on everybody but haven't reeled in anything yet. At some point, one of these rumors have to come true, gentlemen. Yeah, well, you know, when the Mets ownership changed, they said they would spend money, and they're doing exactly that. So, I but like great the deal. point, James. Spend- I'm getting a little tired of the tease every time I see a Blue Jays email. Yeah, flash something that might happen. Like, <laughs> what what are the facts and figures as we begin the new year in the real estate market, Scotty? Well, I'll tell you what. I've been doing this for about thirty years, and my number's fifty for real estate, and. Uh, I have never seen, you know, normally December slow, and I've been warning everybody, hey, don't freak out when December numbers are slow because it's always seasonal. <laughs> I think I said that like five months in a row last year, and it never happened. December, the last half of December wasn't even like Christmas occurred. It was on record in both Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley, a December sales record for the ages was set, okay? Sales were up in the Fraser Valley 81% month for the month of December <sighs> compared to for, compared to a normal December. In Vancouver, they were up uh, a little over about six, 53%. 50, almost 51,000 homes sold for the year. So it's kind of funny, like if you chart it out my, my month by month, it's like, hey, I'm doing really great on my diet. Hey, in eight weeks, I gained 400 pounds, but then in the next six months, I lost 500 pounds. <laughs> and I'm in great shape. That's what I'm trying so, to do right now. So <laughs> year over year, my average weight went down. <laughs> and I look great. 
So that's what exactly what happened in the market. Some 51,000 homes, 22% increase in Vancouver wow. or for for December uh, in the Fraser Valley, the best December ever on record. The year finished up about 22% up in in, uh, in Vancouver and 28% up. So ironically, those numbers are what, when I wrote a research report this time last year, I predicted about 20 plus percent growth, but I didn't know anything about COVID. So it happened. It's just a funny way that happened on the way to get there. And I don't mean funny, haha. I mean, just who would have thought it? Um, and we're off to a, to a good start already a week into the year. So I think with the low interest rates and, you know, supply levels not being high, there's there's no reason to thought that this isn't sustained. But I do think that I could tell everybody, look, everything in life seems a lot more volatile, especially U.S. politics. So, um, you know, don't be surprised if we have a month where maybe we don't sell anything and then turn around the next month and away we go again. Well, I mean, you've been saying it for five months, so why not keep the good times going, right, yeah. Scotty? I mean, like, it's crazy. Like, we, you know, Brenda pulled out the latest uh, Delta Optimist, our community paper, the other day, and she holds it up, and, you know, the back half of the paper is essentially all real estate ads, and, like, everything just had a sold next to it. It's it's crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. Next week, we'll take a look and talk about the annual results for BC just to see how that compares, because it's not just Vancouver, but there's some interesting patterns of people getting out of Dodge in terms of Metro Vancouver and where they're going. Looking forward to that. Have a great weekend. And we'll be talking about hockey guys. <laughs> yes, and, and hopefully a Seahawks win as well as uh, they take down the uh, the Rams coming up tomorrow. Uh, um, here's hoping. I hate the Rams. so this always... <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true fan of the 12s. Uh, that is Scott Brown from Fifth Avenue Real Estate and Marketing joining us here this morning on Sportsnet 650. All right, five minutes to 7 o'clock. Jeff Merrick from the 31 Thoughts podcast. Lots of Canucks talk coming your way as well. After all, we are five days to puck drop, and we are your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. I think this guy has a chance to be a top six player. We don't have a lot of time to find out. Just thought we'd put him the ball right away and, and kind of see if he looks out of place, in place, or maybe surprises us. You know, so far it's one of the latter two for sure. These guys are here to break it all down. Um, the NHL wants fans uh, as soon as it can. Uh, especially when it comes to the playoffs. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Are you not entertained? This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski. All right, 7.02 here on this uh, Friday morning. Sabolski, Solkowski kicking it with you. We'll be joined by Jeff Merrick uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes from the Sportsnet 31 Thoughts podcast uh, as we are five days away from Puck Drop. Uh, we'll hear from Travis Green on uh, Niels Hoaglander here in just a moment, but a reminder this hour, a presentation of Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner, Arbuta Street in Vancouver, and you can check them out online at DunbarLumber.com. Uh, Sean Shapiro uh, confirming uh, this morning on social media that uh, the Stars practice, uh, which we've just been reporting here over the last half hour, uh, they've canceled practice this morning, and it is COVID-related. So here we go, the first um, of the 2021 season for the National Hockey League, and it's the Dallas Stars that are first up. I mean, we saw some outbreaks with teams last summer before the return-to-play pair, before teams got into the bubble, but... I mean, this is something that people are just going to ultimately have to prepare for. 
Stanley Cup champions, right? Tampa Bay uh, Lightning. You know, we were surprised, and it was before it was officially a training camp for them, right? The guys were skating in Tampa Bay, and you heard about it, and they were told to stay away from the facility. I'd be curious, James, how is this handled now? Um, you know, that was the issue when Vancouver was one of the options for a bubble is is Dr. Henry was going, well, here's what we would say. So now we we know what other teams have done. We've heard what's going on in, in the NBA. So uh, we've watched all season long in the NFL facilities closed. The thing is, you've heard every coach in the NHL say, man, this is such a short runway. Uh, you know, if a player's not signed, we'll talk about Matt Barzell still not signed on the Islanders. And yesterday, you know, Barry Trotz is going, man, like we're missing some really good time. So is it a one day thing? How quickly can they trace it? Uh, we will see how it plays out. But imagine if the Dallas Stars can't get back on the ice for the next two or three days. And and one of their stars isn't there. This is the first of a scenario we're going to have to get used to, I think, in 2021. Dallas doesn't play their first game till Thursday of next week, but they go back-to-back Thursday, Friday uh, in Florida against the Panthers, so we wait and see on that. Okay, we'll get to Jeff Merrick here in just a couple quick minutes, but uh, Travis Green, the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks, appeared on this radio station here on Sportsnet 650 yesterday afternoon on the program with Andrew Walker and Satyar Shah. Here's what Travis had to say about the biggest story in camp right now, Niels Hoaglander. Everybody's been buzzing about his performance so far, playing alongside Bo Horvat and Tanner Pearson, and don't expect that to change anytime soon, according to the coach. We know that certain young guys are, are giving us everything they have, and he's also been playing for a little while already, which is a real benefit for us and for him. So uh, for me, it's just a matter of, hey, he's, he's shown it so far. Uh, I'm not going to overthink it and and start thinking about different speeds. He's looked good, and uh, I'm going to keep him there uh, as of now. And and I think everybody says, all right, thumbs up, based on what we've seen so far, what the reviews have been through the first three days on the ice at camp. They'll be back on the ice later today, but through a scrimmage and two practices, uh, Hoaglander has certainly shown he fits in at this point in time. And our poll question this morning, I think everybody's buying into what they're seeing from Niels Hoaglander so far through this week in camp. Well, they are because our poll question was asking, oh, all right, so let's assume he's there. What kind of numbers will he put up? You know, we told you he had seven goals in his first pro season in Sweden. So we came up with the eight over 56, which is, you know, pushing about 15, 16 goals in the ratio of the number of games. 81% buy into it, James, and I think we can't say it enough. Good on this coaching staff and Travis Green. If you want to be an NHL head coach, I'll tell you right now, there is no different. If you have a whiteboard or a piece of paper, they sit, they put numbers down, they put the lines down. And, boy, in our conversation that we got set for camp, we're going, boy, really, is Bo Horvath going to see Jake Furtan in there again? Hopefully it's good Jake. If Jake's not there, is it going to be Louis Erickson? Never in the conversation did we go, you know what, he'll probably throw a whole gland at her right to go. He did. Five days in, he might have been way ahead of the game by going, I'm going to roll the dice with this kid and see what we have. But boy, there's a long end, but the first chapter of this story is pretty good. Well, it may not be the prettiest hockey to start the season, right? As, as no no exhibition no. games, I think that's going to have an impact on teams' performances. Still trying to evaluate, like this is kind of a tricky time from from a coaching staff. Like as much as we're all raving about what we're seeing from Niels Hoaglander, 
you know, it's such a small sample size, but to this point, he has been the story in camp. Let's uh, let's say Happy New Year and welcome in uh, from the 31 Thoughts podcast, the strong half of the 31 Thoughts podcast. The Mr. better-looking half, James. The be- yeah, right. Absolutely. The better <laughs> yeah, but can, you grow, but can you grow a Unabomber beard like Friedman, Jeff Merrick? Uh, no, nor can I write the manifesto. Uh, I know, man <laughs> and technology, Elliot Friedman from, uh, from his, his, his cabin deep in the woods in the middle of summer. No, I can't. I still get the, uh, the, the wolf man on the cheeks. I can never grow the fuck. You do the goatee, uh, but I can never grow the full beard like Friedman. Good morning, guys. How are you doing today? Morning. Excellent. Um, is everybody in this city, jump into it. I mean, Jeff, you're, you're in tune with everything that's going on. Um, what do you think about the anticipation we've got on the West Coast for a, a Swedish elite league player who has come in and all of a sudden is getting saddled in a top six spot? Where have we seen this movie before? <laughs> but we where, can't happen again. Like, how often can where, it happen in Vancouver? Four uh, years in a row with rookies that make a difference? Hoaglander's a story, man. Uh, guy's so good. Guy's uh, super, super legit. It's, listen, it's another reason. Like, I, I think the the last time I was on the station, I was talking about, you know, players that you would, you know, pay just to just to watch. Like, there's the the Crosby's and the McDavid's, and you know, Eichel and McKinnon, etc. And you put Elias Pettersson and and Quinn Hughes in that combination as well. And it just seems as if you know every year. There's another, you know, another new great rookie story coming out of the Vancouver Canucks organization. Um, we see where it's headed. Um, you know, you, I, I don't think anyone is, is, you know, thinking Stanley Cup for the for the for the Vancouver Canucks. However, you can see the pieces of what this team is going to look like. Are there difficult decisions on the horizon for contracts? Absolutely. Is it going to be kind of a, a Gordian knot of salary cap proportions here that? That uh, that uh, that Jim Benny's going to have to unravel to get there, absolutely. But listen, it's always great when you know the found money that is a rookie that can step into a prominent position, who's still under a very team-friendly entry-level contract, can make a difference. And it appears as if the Vancouver Canucks fans should be excited about this that the Vancouver Canucks have "quote unquote" another one. I feel like it's always a sucker's bet with uh, for a lot of you guys that you know have the national platform that uh, when we get you on in the market and say, okay, well, what do you think on this? But we've kind of thrown this out there to our listeners this morning. Over under yep. with Hoaglander, eight goals with the Canucks this season. I guess you got to base it in whether he sticks around with the team, but uh, over under. Are you taking that bet or not? Uh, eight I'm goals. Optimi- I, I'm, an, I'm an optimistic guy, and whether he were, you were talking to me about a, a, a Canuck or a Flame or a Jet or a Senator, I'll go, I'll go the over on eight. How about that? All right. Okay. There you go. We'll put you down with the majority. <laughs> Based on nothing other than trying to be a more optimistic person in 2021. You're on the wrong show, pal. Hey, give us us the sense out east um, where they have had plenty of skill. And when I say out east, in Toronto specifically. I think they, they tackled what I felt was an indictment when you need to get veterans to me speaks of leadership in that room. Did they plug the holes the right way in your view? And we'll see them enough. That's the beauty of, as we call it, the Gord Downey division. We will get to see the <laughs> Leafs so many times. Have they moved it yeah. the right way? Jeez, uh, I don't know. I mean, they got, they got name players. They got recognizable names. Did they get better? 
Um, the speculation, speculation is yes. The only question is how much better did they get? And, and is it even going to be those, you know, pick around the edges type players that make the difference or are the real difference makers going to be, you know, another year of maturity and development for Austin Matthews and William Nylander and Mitch Marner, et cetera. Um, I think probably the, the, the one area you're going to see the most improvement is probably with Morgan Riley. And that's a wink at TJ Brody. Now Morgan Riley finally has, you know, he's been playing with, you know, Ron Hainsey and Nikita Zaitsev, et cetera. You know, finally he has as many suspected defensemen that he'll play with that will allow him to really be Morgan Riley and won't have to, to cover up for his partner as much. So he may pay immediate dividends. But, you know, the question about plugging holes is an interesting one in Toronto because there are many that maintain, you know, the biggest hole they might, they might have is in net. And we know the Toronto Maple Leafs general manager, Kyle Dubas, you know, did, you know, uh, kick tires at the goalie market uh, in the off season. Uh, and at the end of it is, is coming back with the same two uh, as last season, Frederick Anderson and, and Jack Campbell. Um, you know, it's Frederick Anderson's last season on this career. Does, uh, last season on this contract, does that light a fire uh, under the 31-year-old? You know, by his or any other standard, a pretty soft season last year. For Frederick Anderson, uh, I don't think he's someone that likes to be pushed necessarily. Uh, but I think that, you know, uh, in a season that's shortened where every game matters and every point matters, I don't think that uh, Sheldon Keefe, the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, is going to be too interested in Frederick Anderson working through anything in his game this year. Uh, I think you're going to see, you know, more Jack Campbell perhaps than you may have expected as he's going to be given a legitimate shot, maybe not just to be the backup goaltender, uh, but if he can pull it off, maybe just to end up the starter by season's end. So did they plug the hole? Uh, depends. If you consider the, the goaltending to be the biggest hole, uh, then the answer is no, because they're coming back with the same pair. Jeff Merrick with us here on Sportsnet 650. And tell me this, look at the nation's capital and there's finally some some hope there's like a, a, a glimmer of light and i mean most people have them pegged for last in the north but there's been a lot of talk this week that with pierre-luc dubois wanting out boy oh boy you talk about a guy who could check the boxes with the marketability i mean alexander Dig, they liked the french and english uh sort of possibilities yeah. 25 years ago or more but i mean if you're ottawa what like would you make that move knowing that you're going to have to give up a lot and they've finally got some cupboards kind of stocked up and that should be ready to kind of show what they can do in another year or two. But do you make yeah. that move in Ottawa? Jeez, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know that, you know, down down the middle, I mean, this is one of the reasons why they went out and picked up Derek Stepan. I know down the middle they're not exactly thrilled with what they have after Colin White. And I think a lot rides on, you know, who Logan Brown is going to turn into. Can he be your number two center. The size is there. The skill is there. All of it is there. You know, what's holding Logan Brown back? Um, you know, what type of step is, is someone like Josh Norris going to take? Uh, I know they were sensitive about, you know, what the right side looks like after Drake Batherson, as far as prospects goes, uh, going into the draft. Um, they do have some concerns down the middle, and that's why they made the step hand move. You know, Chris Cherney comes in and, and, and re-signs with the team. He may be someone that Seattle looks at uh, come expansion time. So I, I think that someone like Pierre-Luc Dubois would be attractive, but you're right. Like, that is going to be an expensive trade to make. I mean, we could talk about Ottawa with Pierre-Luc Dubois. We could talk about Montreal with Pierre-Luc Dubois. And, you know, what's the first thing that Yarmo Kekalainen is going to ask for 
in return for Pierre-Luc Dubois. It's going to be at least one, maybe two young centers. Yeah. Like if you're, if you're Montreal, you know, and, and you want Pierre-Luc Dubois and, you know, Yarmo says, okay, well, that's fine. We'll take Suzuki and Kotkaniemi or Suzuki and a first round pick. Do you make that deal? Like I, I, I think if you're if you're Ottawa, I, I think you still want to see what you have down the middle before you start to, to to have any judgment on it. Are there concerns? Yes, I, I just don't know that Ottawa is in that spot right now to make that deal, knowing that Kekalainen is going to ask for a ton. Oh, are you giving up uh, Stutzla? So for Pierre right? Dubois? Yeah, would you well, give up Stutzla? Yeah. Yeah, well, that that, beca- that becomes one of the questions. So, you know, do you look at at, at, uh, at Stutzla for sure? But they, uh, you, you can look at Stutzla. You can look at, you know, you can look at a, a number of their a number of their uh, high level prospects. And now those those cupboards are full. But you're right; he will be gunning for your top prospect if you're trying to get Pierre Luc Dubois from the Columbus Blue Jackets. And bonus if that if that player is a center, that would be you know the outside of you know. There's a strong suspicion that somewhere down the road, Columbus may make a play for someone like Patrick Laine, you know, and he's a winger, but that's a whole different category. But if you're, if you are, you know, Yarmo Kekalina, you're looking for a young center. That's just the starting of that trade because it's a young center plus, plus, plus to give up Pierre-Luc Dubois. We don't know what we're going to see in 2020. One, uh, although we're excited because of the Canadian division and we found out about an hour ago for the first time, a subject we will have to deal with when the Dallas yep. Stars have canceled practice this morning, Jeff. And uh, yep. it seems to be confirmed that it, that it's COVID. Yeah, I just saw, um, that, uh, saw, saw Yusef and Sean Shapiro at the Athletic uh, saying it's COVID. The NHL doesn't comment until after, after training camp on any COVID-related situations. But I mean, like, look, I was born at night, but I wasn't born last night, you know. <laughs> the name's Tucker, not Sucker. Like all the cliches apply here. Uh, it, every other sport has gone through it. Uh, I don't see any reason why the NHL should be exempt from it. It, I don't know how bad it is. I mean, it's bad. I mean, they've shut down practice. I'm just waiting to get more text back right now. But it doesn't. It doesn't look good right now. Um, it, it doesn't look good. As I'm trying to read a couple of texts here, sorry, and, and, and tap dance. It doesn't look good right now in uh, in, in Dallas. No. Um... What about the Habs? I mean, is I look at a team that that could ultimately. I mean, you can make a case for a lot of teams, but how do you view the Montreal Canadiens, where chemistry might be a thing in a short season? But man, I love the moves that they made this off season. Um, uh, I think if you're if you're Mark Bergevin, you say to yourself, you know, how many shots are we going to get at this with Carey Price and Shea Weber? You know, and if you're Carey Price and Shea Weber, you're probably you know saying to Mark Bergevin, like. We don't have many shots here left. And they got some found money in Suzuki and Kachinyemi. We saw that in the bubble. So, you know, that does perhaps satisfy, you know, one specific position. And, you know, we knew when the season was over, you know, one of the first things, the first thing they ended up going to get was a backup net miner in Jake Allen. But we knew one of the things that uh, Mark Bergeron was going to shop for was a left shot defenseman. And he goes out and, and picks up Joel Edmondson. Uh, a very sort of quiet move, but a real nice move that helps uh, helps round out the uh, the, the top four. Um, I still maintain that they have one of the best kept secrets in the entire NHL in Philippe Deneau, uh, who every year should and has now finally become a Selkie Trophy candidate. Um, there's a there was a sense that Montreal was too easy to play against and could get pushed around. Uh, they addressed that. 
uh, by going out and getting Josh Anderson and signing him to a long-term deal. Uh, more scoring with uh, with Tyler Toffoli. I mean, this is. I, I think if you're, I think if you're a lot of teams right now in the, the North Division, the Canadian Division, the Gordowney, as you call it, division. Thank I you. I think you say. I think it's, you better trademark that, by the way, or else guys like me will rip it off. Um, Go ahead. I, I, I think you uh, greatness for genius deals. I think you look at it and you say, you know what, Canadian Division is kind of jump ball here. Like this is this is our shot to get ourselves into the, into a, into a final four position. In a shortened season, where if Carey Price is hot, look out! Let's go for it. And and to be honest with you, I still don't think they're done. I still and I don't even think it's like the the Corey Perry move is, is the is the last one for Bergeron. I, I still think that if this guy can pull the trigger on one more move, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, wouldn't surprise me or, or anybody else at all if he if he ends up doing it. Nice to catch up with you, sir. Thanks for uh, dropping by, and we're five days away yeah. from doing it for real, so uh, yep. hopefully we can do this again sometime because, uh, man, everything is happening. Uh, everything is happening, and, yeah, Hoag, listen, how we started, man, Hoaglander is a story. It's, uh, yeah. it's another reason that I'm not just saying this because I'm on you know, the Vancouver station. It's another reason why Vancouver, regardless of how they do, winning or losing, there's always something in a Vancouver Canucks game you can enjoy. And here's another reason. Looking forward to it. Yeah, Thanks, the rest Jeffy. Of the world hockey world finds out on Wednesday. Thanks, Jeff. Have fun, yep. bud. Nice Thanks, to have you back. Thanks, gentlemen. Thanks, gentlemen. Be well. There he is, uh, Jeff Merrick from the uh, 31 Thoughts podcast, uh, joining us here this morning, talking all things hockey here on Sportsnet 650. All right, uh, 20 minutes after 7 o'clock here on this Friday morning. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, kicking it with you. Brock Heward, uh, Fox Sports NFL analyst, will be joining us coming up at the bottom of the hour. But we head down the hall, and we bring in from News 1130 our very own Sonia Aslam, where Sonia, just in the last couple of minutes, the province of Ontario announcing a staggering, what, 4,200? COVID cases over the last 24 wow. hours. Yes, Yikes. This is one of the worst, but they are saying that about 450 of those cases, not that it makes it any better, is because of a backlog in data. But still, yeah, over 4,000 for Ontario. So Ugh. that's a mess. COVID hates Eastern Canada a lot. Hates all of us, but it, really, really doing a number over there. Well, and I, and I think, Sonia, you know, I'm finding a few people, are, you can't tune it out and wear your mask and if you go everywhere but you know they they hear the vaccine and think okay are we getting closer to the end certainly uh, dr henry yesterday was telling everybody when it comes to getting back to normal and sports and 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 are we surprised at how long she has um, added and, and how long we continue with what's going on with our restrictions uh i'm not surprised are other people surprised what's, what's the date she's given us now so we for the for the restrictions, it's going to be at least another month. So February fifth is uh, as of now is when they are set to expire again. And unless we see a drastic difference in numbers and things get better, expect that to continue. And that is simply because the behavior is not where it needs to be. We saw more than seven hundred cases yesterday, and that shows that a lot of people broke the rules on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, which is the fear that we had. Um, and in terms of where we are, in terms of 
you know, getting vaccinations and slowly getting back to normal. We've talked about this on the air a number of times is it's that complacency when people hear the word vaccine and BC in one sentence. And uh, she is saying, you know, for us to be, quote unquote, normal, we would have to achieve herd immunity, which means everyone is vaccinated. And we have that. That's about 80 percent, 70 percent to be there. We don't expect to be at even close to 10 percent by April, May. So if that gives you any timeline as to where we are, this is not going to be over this year. And I know that's a buzzkill because we're a week into the year, but that's the reality. This is not going to be done this year. It's just not. I'll I'll say this just on a side note. Shout out to all the coaches in youth sports right now that have had to be creative to try to come up with, um, you know, social distancing drills, skill drills. You know, I, I think everybody knew that this was going to be a different kind of year. But, man, you know, I think anybody who loves sports, you you. you you play. You play because you want to play the game and not just and, – mm-hmm. and, yes, practice is important, but it is challenging. And shout-out to everybody that's out there on the soccer fields that are on the ice. Um, and, and because yeah, Trying as to keep kids on, interested, James, mm-hmm. right? That was the biggest that's challenge it. I found. That's a huge challenge. And, and you know, I think, you know, you got to wonder how, how interesting and how engaging is this going to be for kids, you know, if it's like, man, this isn't fun anymore, right? Like at some point you're going to probably run into some fatigue, and I think coaches are probably feeling it. And, Sonia, I think as you mentioned, like this isn't ending anytime soon. No, and it's, it, it is really unfortunate because I think that was the hope. The hope was, you know, okay, by spring we'll have – these many doses by the summer will be good to go by September she had initially said we'll have enough that everyone can get a vaccine everyone being available to get the vaccine is one thing people actually doing it is another and unless people actually do it and there is you can't force anyone to do it but we need herd immunity to get back to normal and we're so far off and I don't mean like oh we're off by just a few weeks no no months and months months this will continue to drag on that's why it is so important right now because we know that people broke the rules on new year's eve and new year's day it is even more critical now that we do really need to hunker down and get back to where we were in march and april of last year and follow those rules otherwise these restrictions that everyone is you know whining about and really hates well they're going to continue and if they're going to continue as harsh as they are now it's only going to get tighter and tighter and tighter over under our poll question, Hoglander scores more than eight goals. This season? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, of course. All right. Look no, at you. No eight goals. I know you're going there. <laughs> You've got this. He's team on the going top line with Bo, right? So we'll we'll see. But uh yeah, I think for sure more than eight goals. If if he if he lives up to the hype that we're hearing, then yeah. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Stay boys. safe. Thank Wash you. your hands. Thanks, Wear a mask. All that stuff. <laughs> See you, Aslan. Bye, guys. There she is, Sonia Aslan from News 1130 uh, with the latest as uh, restrictions still in place here in the province. Ontario reporting over 4,200 cases this morning here just in the last few minutes. All right, 25 minutes after 7 o'clock. He's Perry. I'm James. Brock Heward. Oh, yeah. Fox Sports NFL analyst is going to join us. We'll look ahead to this weekend's action in the postseason of the National Football League, and we do it next right here on your home at the Canucks Sports at 650. Oh, look at this run. What a run. Marshawn Lynch. Still on his feet. Has blockers now. He's dancing his way for the touchdown. 
This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Some of the most iconic plays in recent NFL history happened on this day. There's one of them right there. The Beast Quake eight years ago today. Marshawn Lynch taking care of business to the Seahawks Infinity Magic this weekend pair when they take on the Rams for the third time this season. Well, I don't know if they need that kind of magic. I think they need to be disciplined. They need some offense, but boy, they're going up a very good defense. It's Listen, I love wildcard weekend. The fact that we go three games tomorrow, three on Sunday because of the playoff format and the additional teams, uh, it's going to be great. And you know, if something goes awry somewhere i mean you've got that we've got the other play that happened in in nashville years back something will happen over the weekend it's going to be fun to watch uh brock heward happy new year we say to uh uncle brock who uh how excited are you that you've got another heward that's going to be a husky pretty cool huh pretty cool for my nephew sam yeah he's worked really really hard at it and excited for him i kind of wish that a couple more of the kids would have stayed in state with that were in state with him would have also committed not gone to alabama and ohio state but Ah. you know he couldn't do anything about that and and uh just uh for fact checking sake since we spent a year together doing shows uh, it was exactly 10 years ago did i hear eight years ago with the beast quake it was exactly 10 years ago to this date so i don't know if in canada you subtract two years you know from 10 or whatever but no we do the dollar conversion bro that's yeah now we should mention was sam the top rated quarterback in, in all of u.s high school he was right up there, yeah, yeah. I mean, some of those scouting services and rankings—it's impossible to know. But he was, yeah, he was certainly within the top five. You know, I think of all of those scouting services, and he can really throw it, man. He's he's a little smaller than uh, than I was, and, and even his dad to some degree. But the velocity with which he throws and the athleticism—it's uh, yeah, it's something pretty fierce. That's exciting, man. Congratulations. Uh, it's fun times for the Heward household. Um, let's let's dive into the Seahawks. Uh, round three for the Rams and the Hawks. It's funny how we've kind of seen this freaky Friday sort of season for the Hawks where they were all about the offense to start the year. and We all wanted to kick around the D, and now it's the defense kind of become the strength of the team. We're kind of waiting for Russ to stop cooking leftovers here. Yeah. Yeah, it has been, right? And then, I mean, through eight games, it was historically the worst ever. I mean, total yards, yeah. passing yards, that wasn't hyperbole. Yeah. That They were, statistically speaking, the worst in the history of the league through eight games. Now, there were, you know, some quality opponents, and Dak can throw it, and Josh Allen could throw it, and, you know, they faced some offenses that, that first half. The second half of the year, they've been fortunate, you know, to face some, some backups at that position, and guys beat up, and inexperienced QBs, and more importantly, just kind of got everybody back. And, and you know, Pete Carroll always loves to say, I got to learn the learners. I got to try to understand how you know they operate I got to put them in the best position for success there was no OTAs there was no offseason here comes Jamal Adams here comes Dunbar here comes DJ Reed here comes midseason Carlos Dunlap and you don't just throw guys out there I, I know they've made it look incredible this season the NFL has with without an offseason I even heard the the union president of the players say see I mean, it's operated just fine. They don't need an offseason. But, you know, I think many coaches and many programs would say uh, part of the reason we started so slow is we could not put everybody in the best spot. 
could not gain continuity, could not have what they say, time on task together. And as they have, they've certainly been rolling. Now, as for the offense, it's been the inverse. They have faced the number one defense twice, and they're going to face them a third time. The only defense in the league, the Rams, that they give up less than 300 yards a game and take away their offense and turnovers and some of the terribleness on that side for them, they give up about 16.8 points per game, which if you look at it, was about what the elite Seahawks defenses gave up back in the day. So facing them a couple times, facing an honorary San Francisco team that knows you, an Arizona crew that knows you, I mean, I think there's some reasons, you know, to, uh, you know, to, or excuses or explanations as to why it's slowed down a little bit. And more than anything, Russell, after 10 intercept or 10 turnovers in four games, said, yeah, enough, enough. I'm going to turn my risk meter way down. I'm going to protect this football. And this team's 12 and 0 when they win the turnover battle. And I know that will still be a focus tomorrow. Um, I, I've liked the Rams for the first 10 weeks. All I said is, man, I, I think the Rams are the best seed team going. Right now, I would say it's Seattle. In your opinion, should Jared Goff and, and thumb aside, should he be better than he is? Should he have been better than he is this year? Or did he just come out of the gates flying and he is what it is at this point? Those decisions and his what he makes – if he yeah. hasn't cleaned it up now, he is what he is. Yeah, I, I think, you know, that, I mean, that again, I'll often spin everything back to Seattle and Russell, but, you know, that was something that Russell had from day one is ball security. He understood the value of the football, and that was going to be priority in their entire organization or organization and program um, of, 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 you know, the, the essence of Pete's ball is you're going to take care of the ball. And, and Jared, yeah, I don't think that comes naturally. He played in an air raid where he threw it all over the place in college. He had, you know, turnovers. To, to me, that was a concern coming out of school is at times he was he was pretty flimsy with the football. Uh, he also fumbles a ton, you know. So from a giveaway standpoint, it has been, you know, far, far too much. Now, the other challenge with that, unlike Russell, who can still create, who can run, who can throw a ball 70 yards, he can offset some of, you know, maybe that risk, lack of risk-taking with his athleticism and playmaking. If you say to Jared Goff, don't turn it over, don't turn it over, just don't turn it over. Well, he's not a guy that can run. He's not a guy that can create on his own. He's not a guy that's got an overwhelming arm, you know, to make the two or three plays deep down the field, uh, game in and game out. So I think therein is some of the issue for Sean McVay. You just can't put a guy in a box and you can't live in that don't world. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't make that mistake because that just, that, that hamstrings any talent in any, in any athlete that, you know, and certainly one that you have paid to be your franchise guy. So I think that's some of the line that they navigate. Brock Heward with us here on Sportsnet 650. You look at the AFC, and, and I think overall in the National Football League, the Chiefs are the team to beat with the defending champs, but can Buffalo knock them off? Uh, yes, I would put actually Baltimore uh, ahead of them. I think Baltimore would be the most difficult matchup for the Chiefs in the playoffs because really? Baltimore had yeah. And I saw Baltimore. Remember, you, you know, look at the numbers. Who who finished the year with the best scoring differential in the NFL? The yeah. seam heads in baseball love that number, right? What what is your run differential? That often you know dictates everything over a long baseball season and, and projecting out into playoffs and everything else. The number one scoring differential team in football is the Baltimore Ravens. 
a year ago, it was silly. I think they were like at, you know, 260 some points. I mean, right. I mean, they just, it was crazy a season ago as they blew the doors off people. They are the team that is now healthy. That's got their pieces back, although not their left tackle with the ACL, Ronnie Stanley, but they've got just about everybody back. JK Dobbins, kind of like Jamal Adams has found his role. And now you pair his explosion with Lamar Jackson, with the big back, and Gus Edwards, with a line that's now played together the back half of the season, a couple receivers that can really run, a defense that gets after you, that added unique in Gakway. Again, kind of like Dunlap. I mean, you kind of look at that Baltimore story. Look at the scoring differential. Look at what they've done the final quarter of the season, what Lamar's got going. And if you're going to beat Kansas City, you know this. You have to minimize possessions, which they can in their run game. And then you got to have people that can cover. And Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey and Clark, the safety, those guys can do it better than I think the Bills guys can and really anybody else in the AFC. Yeah, I, uh, nice to have you back, Brock. Yesterday I said if there's a dark horse, and I don't know if you can be in the playoffs, I think it's Baltimore. Defense wins championships. Can defense knock off the greatest quarterback of all time tomorrow in Tampa Bay, Washington? Uh, it almost seems that that defense would have to score for the Washington football team. But do you think there's an upset possibility there? I think maybe there's a spread possibility. I, I, I looked at that number. I think it was between somewhere seven to nine, you know, yeah. over the course of the week. I think that there's probably a – I'd play that now to win the game. If Alex Smith were healthy in that calf, and my gosh, uh, did you guys watch the, the E60 on Alex Smith with his leg? I have not seen it yet. No, but uh, but I've seen the trope. They turned it. They turned his what is brace into his a, wife a did that. Yeah. yeah, his wife Amazing. did that. Was, I, I would highly recommend, especially before they play this weekend. If you've got a half hour or, or so, you know twenty minutes, whatever it is, I'd highly recommend that because it will give you a perspective when you watch him that that truly just knocks you knocks not knocks the the oxygen out of your lungs. Like how he's possibly doing this. His leg is still so deformed and misaligned. And, you know, they had to take hamstring muscle and back muscle and all these things and just try to, 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 to facet a leg, a lower leg out of it. So when it says a strained calf, I mean, I, I can't even imagine what that is that he's trying to play through. He's got a brace. I remember visiting my older brother, Damon, down in uh, Miami when Damon was with the Dolphins. I was finishing up my collegiate career. And I went down there and I was in the Dolphins locker room. I remember looking at Dan Marino's boot and it looked like, like a WWF boot. Like a, that's not a cleat. That's a, just a boot. And it had a spring in it uh, because his, he torn his Achilles and, and, you know, his calf just didn't function all the time. And I was like, and he's still playing this game. And you look at the brace that Alex has on his leg. They, they highlighted it last, you know, last weekend, last Sunday night. I mean, it's just massive, massive. And it's to help him not have drop foot because he still doesn't have all of the function of it. And yet he's out there playing. I mean, it is, it's truly, truly remarkable stuff. Now, the challenge in this one is not just Tom Brady, but that Tampa defense is pretty good. And they can rush the passer and they got guys that can get after you and can cover. And, and thus, I think the spread is what it is, not necessarily because of Tommy's 40 touchdowns, but because you've watched that Washington offense and try to function. And against that defense, I think they'll have a hard time. 
It's, I mean, it, they're remarkable stories. Uh, and, and there's one, like, we're talking 16 years ago when he was the first overall pick and people looked at him as a bust and then he finds a home in KC and then he gets nudged out the door with Pat Mahomes and then he broke it. Like, like it's, and he nearly like, dies. I mean, as, as they shared yeah. in that story, his body, you know, went, uh, went into total infection. He nearly died some 20 surgeries later. And, and as I said, if you watch that and then you watch the game, you will just have a whole new appreciation for what he has been through and, and what he continues to do. And then you will also just pull your hair out and go, Dwayne Haskins, you just don't get it. This guy nearly lost his life to this game, had all these surgeries. Look at his leg that he's playing on. You're young, you're healthy, you're vibrant, you're talented, but you are just an absolute knucklehead and don't get it. And thus he's no longer in the NFL. Uh, just real quick, um, before we let you go, Deshaun Watson, what's the end game there with Houston? Tough spot for him. I mean, oh. he, he signed that dotted line, right? And, uh, you know, we, we have seen some of these players over the years work themselves out, a unique in Gawkway, uh, Jalen Ramsey, but they didn't have, you know, four years of, of franchise QB money and a, and a commitment that that franchise made to him. And remember those tears? on that day that he signed that contract and how much it meant to him and for a team to believe in him. And, and so I, I oof, yeah, it's a tough spot. I mean, no draft picks, no salary cap, moving pieces, some dishonesty that he feels. I mean, that's not a position you want to be in, but I don't know if he, people have said, well, you've seen other players leverage themselves out. Yeah. They've been on franchise tags or near the end of their contract, not just at the beginning of an extension where an organization committed to you wholeheartedly. Brock, nice to catch up. Uh, you know, we, we yeah. had a lot of your games uh, this year in the NFL. It, it was great to hear your work, um, and and I'm sure you enjoyed it deservedly. So it's going to be an awful lot of fun. Stay safe with your family there, pal, and, and enjoy the football this weekend. Sounds good, boys. Always a blast to catch up, and, uh, yeah, hopefully we can maybe do it again in this playoff run or before the Super Bowl. Yeah. We will definitely do it again. And Cardinals fans say go easy on Kyler Murray there, bro. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Watch, watch yourself watch yourself stay safe man all the see best nice guys. to catch up Bye. with you buddy. all right see ya uh there he is brock Heward, fox analyst uh breaking it down nice to catch up with brock i am looking forward to it all six games going down uh three tomorrow three on sunday and uh we'll make our picks coming up in the eight o'clock hour your canucks commute coming up at the top of the hour cheech and shorty are back as a team john shorthouse and john garrett will join us in your canucks commute coming up at the top of the clock here on your home of the canucks sportsnet 650 I didn't really see it being possible. I didn't see a viable path with the number of forwards this team had. Um, but of course, the taxi squad you know helps you out a little bit that way. But I, you know, I'm gonna up it now. I'm still not gonna say like a lot of people that he's a guarantee for opening night. Um, I think it's a much higher probability than 15, 20 percent. I think you're probably looking at 70, 80 percent now. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. There's Sportsnet's Dan Murphy on Niels Hoaglander's chances of being in the opening night lineup in Edmonton for the Vancouver Canucks. James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski with you. Merce broadcast partners John Shorthouse and John Garrett will join us on your Canucks commute coming up in about 10 minutes from now here on Sportsnet 650. And Asking you this morning, pair on our Sportsnet 650 Twitter poll question at Sportsnet 650, Nils Hoaglander, eight goals for the Canucks this season. Are you taking the over or under on that one? Right now, 82% say 
over. They're all in on going hog wild right now. I'm going to lean towards the under on this one based on the 56-game sprint. And I just wonder, is this sustainable for the young kid who has absolutely taken over the storyline in camp so far this week? I'm going to assume I missed that, but I, I haven't seen Hogwild. Has that been all over the place? I enjoyed no, that. That no, was good. That's me. That's thank you. Thank you. Is that is that you just fresh? That's Hog just me wild? going Hogwild, yeah. What was that? What was that guy from uh, Tim Allen? Didn't they have wild hogs or something? There might be some options there to, to promote this kid. Greg Ballack's in my hey, ear I'm, now saying he that was his idea. Ballack came with Hogwild? He's saying that. Well, Ballack, go to that movie. There'll be some good drops. By the way, when we talk Ballack, Greg Ballack, uh, the, the uh, running everything with this show. Um, by the way, that poll question, which, which is great, and 82% say he will score more. Shout out to Rob, who let us know that better poll question, who scores more points to Foley Hoglander. Rob, you're right. Send us a poll question for Monday. That is better. The fact is, though, Rob and everyone else, I don't think, and as you heard Murph said, I didn't know there would be a path to get there. That's what everyone thought three weeks ago. And Travis Green says, you know what? You don't have to run down the path here. Here's the keys to the car. You're there right now. Now, whether you can stay there is the question. And it just appears from everywhere. And you heard Jeff Merrick earlier in the 7 o'clock hour, by the way, brought to you by Dunbar Lumber, is uh, I just everyone thinks it's it's there. Like this kid, the Canucks could have done it again. So I'm going to go over with, with uh, Hoglander getting more than eight goals because I think he's going to spend the majority of time in that top six role because they don't have the depth to put players in the top six role. Everybody else is more comfortable on lines three or four. Well, it's, I I appreciate the fact that they have given him every opportunity to try to show what he can do in the top six to play alongside Horvat and and Tanner Pearson. But the Jake Vertanen, you know, for all the talk that, you know, Vertanen would get a shot in the top six, is this just basically, okay, look, this is our backup plan. Like, if all else fails, ah, the old, uh, it's like that old Simpsons episode, the uh, stick with your wife fortune cookie. Is that like, ah, you know what, if Hoaglander can't do it, ah, we'll just put Jake in there. I think it's a fallback. I think they would love to see Jake Vertanen push Hoaglander. And because Hoaglander's not going to play every game, and be, like I don't expect he's going to be consistent right off the bat. They know, unfortunately, Jake for Tannen hasn't been consistent, and they would like that to change. I, I think there'd be a whole bunch of people to go. Jake for Tannen has pushed his way into a top six spot, and he's going to be there for the next five years. But we've been waiting two years for that to happen. It's nice to have a failsafe, and as good as Jake is, and as big as he is, I don't think he has the skill offensively that Hoglander may have. Well, I mean, how many times do you hear people? Oh, I mean, the way he skates like the wind, man, he shoots the puck harder than anybody. It's, uh, but here we are. Uh, six minutes to uh, eight o'clock. We will get to your Canucks commute coming up in just a matter of moments. John Shorthouse, John Garrett, your favorite broadcast duo on the TV side, will join us next right here on your home of Vancouver hockey, home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. A cup of Joe. And the Canuck commute. We've got realistic play- playoff hopes, which Vancouver does. Um, then we've got to put the lineup on the ice every night that gives us the best chance to get two points. But they're going to have injuries. They're going to have COVID-19 outbreaks. I think you're going to see more players play this year than any prior year in terms of the number of players on each team that compete. A five-star morning on the starting lineup.
Pampers, Brian Burke, and uh, yeah, I mean, the, the benefit of the taxi squad this particular season, it's your Canucks commute here on this Friday morning here on Sportsnet 650, hour number three on this Friday morning on the starting lineup on Sportsnet 650, James Sabalski and Perry Solkowski taking you until nine o'clock this morning. The Johns will join us here in just a couple of minutes. John Shorthouse, John Garrett, uh, Shorty and Cheech back together again. And uh, the story this week, pair, as we've been talking about all morning long, uh, and Travis Green reaffirming that again yesterday, uh, last night on the program with Andrew Walker and Satyar Shah, that uh, Niels Hoaglander, uh, who has been uh, dynamite so far this week in camp, uh, will continue to stay on that line with Tanner Pearson and Captain Bo Horvat when practice resumes later on today. Back on the ice, um, we'll hear from Travis in a second. I say what he said to the guys when he was on the program, but credit to him. I, I would love to have been in that conversation when they start putting their lines together. And, and he goes, oh, okay, well, Bo Pearson, who do we got there, guys? We got Jake, like everyone thought. There's Jake. And uh, you know what? Are we going with Louie, which we saw in the postseason because of situations? But for him to throw Hoaglander, to me, may be the most subtle and, and the smartest move ever. I mean, will we be looking back in two or three months' time and go, look good on green to say, hey, this guy doesn't have to earn his stripes automatically in the NHL. He gets a pass to go on your top six guy. Just don't fumble it. Now, the thing is, James, we've seen other guys in that position. My goodness, how much did we talk in this station about uh, Goldie? Goldobin, here is his chance. He would get it. You know, Reed Boucher, throw people up who had a chance to fill a top six role because they're offensive guys, Fan Berchi. But they didn't grab it and say, I'm going. Here I go. Maybe Hoaglander is that guy. Uh, just on a side note here, um, we've heard the story uh, in the last uh, 90 minutes about how the Dallas Stars practice was canceled this morning. That uh, That's due to COVID-related. Uh, COVID we'll get more details later on today from the National Hockey League. And it sounds like there are COVID issues as well this morning in Columbus with the Blue Jackets. Uh, players oh held out of practice there as well. So um, it is starting to kind of show and rear its ugly head. At, uh, we're still in a global pandemic. And yes, there's a vaccine that's out there. Uh, just not happening fast enough. And look... You know, and I don't think this is any any reason to sit there and, and go off the rails, but, you know, we saw it happen with the National Football League. We've seen it a little bit with the NBA already, and certain star players have been held out. I mean, you know, Kevin Durant, I mean, Seth Curry now uh, is also the latest in the NBA. And we saw it multiple times in Major League Baseball as well, as teams are going to try to play in their home arenas and try to travel around within their respective divisions this season pair. And so it looks like Columbus now uh, the latest to be impacted. Yeah, and, and my concern is is how much wiggle room is there? Um, you know, the, the NFL is one thing, and, and we saw games move to – I think we played a game every day this week for the first time in the history of the NFL. Games played on Tuesday, games played on Wednesday, the usual uh, on Thursdays. Um, but, you know, what do you do if all of a sudden you're in the middle of something, you've just played a game – uh, on a Thursday night against the team, you're supposed to play them back-to-back and supposed to see them on Friday, and all of a sudden you find out about an outbreak. Are you moving both teams around? It's something they have planned, something they will deal with, and although officially it's not COVID-19, they can't announce it, it's the league that will do it. It's going to happen. We played the clip of Berkey coming in. You're going to have to have an awful lot of depth because you're going to have some COVID-19 uh, positive tests. It, uh, you shut down facilities. Does it shut down a team? And there's going to be a lot of work done by the NHL schedule maker this year. That's for sure. 
you know, there, there is depth here with this Canucks team. Um, and you look at the bodies that are in camp. You know, we've talked a lot, not only about Niels Hoaglander this week, Pear, but there's Louis Erickson as well um, and what his future could be, who looks like an odd man out possibly once the season starts or does he find a way on the taxi, uh, taxi squad, which I'm probably leaning more towards. Sven Berchi's here in camp again. Mm-hmm. But when you look at how things are kind of shaping up right now up front, I think you're looking at the lotto line staying together. Right now, if you're a betting man, you're leaning towards Niels Hoaglander sticking with Horvat and Pearson based on how they've shown so far through the first part of camp. Um, Vertanen has stayed with Sutter and Mott. And then are you looking at like a fourth line, maybe with Gaudette, Beagle, and Roussel? But, you know, a couple of other names that I'm curious about. Where does Zach McEwen fit in? And how about Jace Howerluck? You know, this was somebody that the Canucks were pretty excited about getting into part of the team. And, you know, is this a guy who... You know, they like the fact that he's got that versatility. He can play everywhere in the lineup. You can move him up. You can play, move him down. He's he's noticeable out there. When I've talked to scouts about him, he can contribute a little bit offensively. But I uh, I do wonder, like, this is a nice position to be in with that sort of depth that they've got with some of these bodies. But it's just a question of where they factor in. You got almost $10 million between Berchi and Louie right now on the outside looking in and salary. Well, you're going to need it, though. And I, I think when you talk depth, I don't think you're talking four or five guys. I think this year you're, you're talking seven, eight guys, right? And that will be the challenge for this hockey team. All right, let's uh, let's say Happy New Year and uh, welcome aboard. They'll uh, do it for real starting next week, next Wednesday to be exact, five days from now. But uh, we bring Cheech and Shorty back for a little reunion here on Sportsnet 650. John Garrett, John Shorthouse. Shorty, Cheech, how are you guys? I'm hey. good, I'm good. Happy to I, just before, before we get started, I would like, for those who have asked, I would like to, uh, just for the record, let everyone know that John and I will also not be attending the presidential inauguration on January 20th. Way <laughs> <laughs> to make a stand, Shorty. Uh, let me ask you this. Other than, I, I assume, uh, when training camp started, you know, everyone watches people on TV shows and movies and they go, they're great friends, they're probably seeing each other all the time. How often have you guys seen each other in the last nine months? Zero times, right, zero. Joe? Yeah, zero. We're abiding by the rules like many people aren't. Uh, we didn't go to Maui uh, at Christmas time. We didn't go to Palm Desert or any place like that and play golf. Shorty you didn't have a social distance beer, like outside in the summer? No, no. That's no fun. It sounds very frosty. <laughs> yeah, what the, no, no, no. Again, I just thought because you guys, it's it's Jordy, it's Cheech. You would have said, hey, you want to you wanna play golf? You want to do something? What kind of fun is that? What kind of fun is that? Well, especially. I, play I played golf a lot of me. golf. Now, now, if you ask me, have I seen Murph? <laughs> yeah, I uh, do not see him. I have, John and I have a wonderful relationship. We talk uh, multiple times a week. We text daily. He sends yeah. me Sudoku puzzles from his paper because he's one of those people who still takes the paper. And um, and we're, we're raring to go. Can't wait to get together on Thursday. Shorty, let me start with you. And, and, I mean, it's funny because here we are. We haven't had any real hockey to kind of digest in these parts since, what, uh, Labor Day weekend when the Canucks season came to an end against the Vegas Golden Knights in Game 7. But, 
you know, we've had three days of, you know, practices and a scrimmage to kind of base our analysis and opinions on and, uh, you know, just and, and filling up the airtime. But, you know, from your from your vantage point, from what you've seen down at the rink, what's been your takeaway from camp so far this week? Um, I, I think it was easy in the off season to kind of get a little bit rattled just because of the number of departures. And it just felt like there was a lot of leaving and not a lot of arriving that, you know, just because of so many familiar names that uh, most of whom went to Calgary. Um, So you, you kind of lost the ability to see the forest for the trees a little bit. And then you, you go to the rink, um, you, you see the likes of Nate Schmidt. um, You see the impact that Mills Hoaglander has been having uh, so far and you see prospects like, I mean, Jack Rathbone has been a revelation the way he's able to skate and move around. And then pe- people you're not that familiar with, um, like Will Lockwood and, and Mark Michaelis. And you start to kind of um, feel a little bit juiced about the future because, on top of that, the lotto line has just looked fabulous. Um, raring to go, uh, you know, might just be the, the best line potentially. And I know that this would be. Uh, controversial if uh, people were listening in Toronto or listening in Edmonton, you know, but with the potential to be the best line in the North Division. Cheech, when we had you on uh, in the summertime, we were all speculating. You were of of the mindset, you got to pay Jacob Marks from what he needs. They didn't. How concerned are you by what they have now in the tandem of of Holpe and Thatcher Demko? Yeah, but you're not saying that I prefaced it by saying I wouldn't go longer than three years. Well, I can't remember the conversation. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> the Canucks just couldn't go. Why? I wouldn't have even considered a six-year contract for Jacob Marks. I was thinking, but did okay, they fill the void the right way? Are you happy with what they have there? Yes, yes, I am. Uh, and Braden Holby. People say, well, okay, Braden Holby had uh, his worst year in a long time, and he statistically goals against and save percentage he did. He was still, he played 48 games. He played more games than Jacob Markstrom did last year. He is 11 games over 500 last year. And he's won a Stanley Cup. So you put Braden Holby behind Thatcher Demko, and Thatcher Demko, it's his time. He, he's paid his dues now. He's waited long enough. The Canucks believe in Thatcher Demko. He showed them in the bubble last year that what he could do. Uh, sure, it was just a short period of time, but now is their opportunity to see if Thatcher Demko can do it. And you look at the schedule this year, it's not going to be uh, the number one guy plays three games and the other guy plays one game. It's almost going to be a 50-50 split uh, just uh, because of the number of games in such a compact time period. And so, uh, I, you know, and people say, uh, why did the Montreal Canadiens now, they backed up Carey Price with a, a veteran, reliable goaltender, and all around the league, you look. I think it's going to be out of the 56 games. It'll it'll probably be 36-20. Uh, will be the ratio. It'll be much closer to 50-50 than an 82-game season. John Shorthouse. John Garrett with us here on the Canucks commute here on Sportsnet 650. Shorty, I'll bring it back to you here for a second, and and with Hoaglander. 
I mean, uh, especially in your time as the voice of the Vancouver Canucks, we've seen and gotten really excited over shiny toys over the mm-hmm. years, like the Jason Kings and the Fedor Fedorovs and the Steve Koreas. And um, does it feel Don't forget different? Sergei Shorokov. <laughs> Shout out to mm-hmm. Petrus Palmu as well. Yes. And uh, I, I just wonder, like, does it feel different this time around with Hoaglander uh, and, and all the excitement after just three days here? You know, it's almost, listen, he looks really good. Yeah. But um, you almost have to temper your enthusiasm more in this situation than you would have with a Fedorov or a Korea or a King or a Shirokov uh, because we're not going to see him in an actual game until the season starts. And, you know, those other guys, like Steve Korea, I think, led the NHL in preseason scoring that one year uh, maybe i'm making that up but he, he was up there and he did very well he played a lot of games obviously because they were taking a long look at him mm-hmm. and i think he was playing with alex mcgillney if i'm not mistaken although again my memory going back that far isn't as sharp as it used to be but um you know it, it, it's almost tougher to evaluate this time around because you're you'll see him in scrimmages yeah but that's not the same um, and I, I do think, you know, based on what I saw in the scrimmage um, on Wednesday night, it did look at times like some of the veteran Canucks were trying to test him a little bit because maybe they sensed that he might be on the team come Wednesday in Edmonton and they need to, you know, kind of uh, build up some calluses, if you will, on him and let him know what it's going to be like once they start playing for real because he really, as much as you, you can get something out of a scrimmage, you're never going to replicate what's going to happen in an actual regular season game. So, I mean, great enthusiasm, great excitement for the way he's looked so far. Obviously, I think having played already um, in the Swedish league has has given him a a leg up uh, coming into this camp. But until they start playing for real and the puck drops Wednesday in Edmonton, you're never going to really know for sure just how battle-ready he is for the NHL. Well, it is such a big advantage, as you just mentioned there, dropped at the end, about playing in a league, playing in that competitive uh, Swedish league before you come over. It's uh, a lot different than just training and being around the guys and having the uh, pickup practices daily. Uh, That's not the same as playing in a league. And uh, he's got that advantage of playing for three months and then coming over and uh, having that edge. And uh, I think that's one of the things and you know every training camp uh, guys who have played before in uh, Canada Cups or whenever they used to have those in the fall and they'd come into training camp and it'd be unbelievable how far ahead they were and they were the better players naturally but how far ahead they were in their competitive nature and uh, their game readiness just by playing. By the way Shorty I think uh, Korea was playing with Dave Scatchard and Bill McCult. <laughs> so close. Cheech, let me ask you this. Um, is this blue line better? Because there was such concern, and it just seems like the Travis Hamannick signing on the weekend was kind of a, oh, okay. Do you think this blue line will be better than Travis Green had when the end of the year? Um, you know, I, I'll have to wait and see, but Nate Schmidt is a, a big addition, and Shorty is so big on the right-hand, left-hand. And Travis Hamnick's a right-hand shot. So I'm sure you're happy about that, Shorty. But Very uh, happy. I, if I can jump in, I, I would say that I think 
their their top six healthy is probably a little bit better than last year. Um, yeah, that, now, I just don't like to downplay the presence of Chris Tanev. No, for sure. And uh, when he's healthy, and he was healthy last year, and he really helped Quinn Hughes, and uh, so I think it will be better too. Shorty, you're right. Yeah, no, it's hard. It's hard not to look at uh, where things kind of uh, where they on the back end. I mean, it feels it's a, it might be as deep as we've seen in dare I say about ten years with this Canucks back end, Cheech. Mm. <laughs> it, it's one be, injury it's, away. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. and and then you get into untried, untested. Uh, you know, like right now, Ole Levy and and he's ready. It's time. I agree with that, but. Uh, Shorty talked about uh, Jack Rathbone and Brogan Rafferty, and and you guys talked about uh, the COVID presence and how uh, you have to be deep, and uh, that's when you get into guys who are you just don't know about. And I think that's one of the things that, uh, and because there's so many games, guys are going to get hurt. And it's three games in four nights. How many times do they do that this season? Even though it's in the same city, a lot of times, but it's against the same teams and you get the grudge matches where guys get hurt more. You know, the other thing I would throw in, if you want to look at this, you know, optimistically and glass half full, I think that one thing, one great takeaway we can take from the, the latest round of expansion in the Vegas Golden Knights is how many players that were not being given the opportunity in their respective organizations that all of a sudden you, your, your eyes go wide open. You're like, holy cow, I didn't know he could be this good. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I can never go through an interview without uh, quoting Tom Larshide at some point. And one of his great lines, you know, when it, you talk about uh, injury or depletion in the lineup and the need to turn to somebody who's maybe a little bit unproven was like, every time a star goes down, another one comes up on the horizon. And sometimes, you know, you, you find out you had a little more than, than you thought you did. And, uh, you know, when you look at the likes of, of Rafferty and, and Chatfield, obviously your levy is penciled in to, to be in the starting lineup probably to begin the year. But, um, you know, you, there's, there's oftentimes you can be pleasantly surprised by players who've developed through the years and maybe just over the summer and, and uh, are a whole lot better and, and more capable than maybe you were expecting. Well, into that, and I think we will see some guys who normally wouldn't get a chance because of the scenario that we're going into. Um, Chich, Ch- I'll offer this one uh, up to you a- as you you look at this team. Um, there's always speculation around Louis Erickson, and earlier this week, as we dive into all the stories, might have been some speculation that that Louis could actually see Utica. Um, and, and that would make it really tough to maybe wonder if that's part considering I think when Utica you're sent to it with quarantine, it, it's not like it used to be. Do you think that's even possible? Or in a situation when you know you need so many players, a guy like Louis Erickson who you know what you're going to get, forget the numbers, he'll still be a part of this team? Yeah, oh, I do. Uh, and again, it's that uh, Travis Green trust factor that uh, yeah. you know what you've got. And uh, obviously, Travis trusts Louis in the defensive situations for sure. And the thing we've learned about Louis now uh, is the number of times that, uh, you know, he was sat in the press box and then called upon to come back in and he can be very reliable. That's uh, there's, it's a trait for a veteran player like Louis. He's in fantastic 
physical shape all the time, works hard at that, and you know that he can come back in and after sitting a couple of weeks and get thrown right into the lineup and uh, be on the top line or be on the checking line or kill penalties. Uh, so the, the season starts on Wednesday, and obviously it's it's kind of a unique sort of different year. Uh, Vancouver obviously only playing in the All-Canadian Division and the Gord Downey Division, as Perry has renamed it. Uh, but what happens for you guys? Like, Have you guys got a different sort of outlook on the season? Uh, I mean, normally it's the comforts of flying uh, with the with the glamorous team. Like, How does how does the season look like for you guys? Well, and this as soon as it became apparent that we weren't going to be with the team on the charter, and that's not anything to do with the Canucks, that's league policy around the entire NHL. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you look, I'm just looking on my TV right now, and they have uh, 4,300 new cases in Ontario today. Um, yep. We're going to we're gonna uh, stick it out here, and um, it's not going to be quite as intricate as uh, the NBC set up at times in the in the summer where you had Doc Emmerich calling the game from his basement in Michigan, Eddie Olchick providing analyst, uh, analysis from a studio in Chicago with Brian Boucher between the glass, <laughs> behind the glass in Toronto, uh, but we're, we're, gonna, we're not going to be traveling. We'll be uh, obviously at the home games that we're assigned to, and uh, calling the uh, the road games that we're assigned to off monitors and uh, giving it our level best, hey, Cheech? That's right, that's right. Uh, they did give us the option, though, which uh, I found a little strange, but they did give us the option, and Shorty and I talked it over, and uh, uh, it did seem a little ludicrous to think that flying commercially and then getting in cabs and then staying at different hotels and uh Extra Especially days Cheech, who was off. born in 19 tickety two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'd have to drop my Twitch account. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but I, you know what? I will say this: like, I, I think for the for the viewer, the way that we've seen and look, I, I think this has been the one realization this year from our industry is that we've got the technology now to and to keep people safe. And I think a perfect example were the Jays. I mean, Cheech, you're a big uh, you're a big Blue Jays yes. fan, but look at like, oh, yes. Dan Shulman and, Bra- uh, and Buck Martinez. I mean, it was pretty seamless calling it from a studio. I mean, it takes away a little bit of the magic and the romanticism of wanting to be a play-by-play guy and an analyst uh, and an ana- analyst, uh, you know, doing it. But it sounds pretty seamless from from what we've seen. Well, it's really it's hard. It, I find it hard for uh, behind the play stuff. That's yeah. uh, you know yeah. the. the you're at the mercy of the cameras, and uh, when you're there uh, and you're watching it live, you can see what's happening behind the play, and you can see what's the uh, interaction on the bench and interaction between the, the two teams. And uh, you don't get that when you're uh, got the play-by-play follow camera, and you're and the play-by-play guy is calling it off that. And if you're sitting in a studio someplace, uh, you've just got the two monitors. And it makes it a lot harder. But that being said, uh, it's the world we live in right now. Well, it'll be a testament to the skills you have because we've seen it with others in the last six months. When the puck drops on Wednesday, I'm sure there will no one, no one will be listening thinking you guys aren't there. And uh, I know it's been a while, so I can only imagine the excitement you both will have to finally start calling NHL hockey again, boys. Um, yeah, enjoy this. Thanks for making the time on this Friday morning. Have a good weekend, boys. Thanks, guys. Uh, Thanks. You're welcome. 
John Shorthouse, John Garrett weighing in with their thoughts on the upcoming season and obviously a unique uh, sort of uh, different sort of uh, broadcast approach for both Cheech and Shorty here uh, for this upcoming season. But, you know, I think John uh, Shorthouse, that is, made an excellent point with, you know, the way the offseason kind of started here, Pear, there was a lot of it was a lot more about the who's not here as opposed to who's here. And then when you kind of take a look at this team on the ice, you know, there's a lot to ch- check the boxes about what this team can offer. There's a obviously there's a big hole up front with the forwards, but um, there's a lot to like about this roster at least when healthy to start. I can remember it seems like so long ago. I was uh, I was watching a, an amateur was involved doing some stuff with an amateur soccer game, uh, social distancing with the mask, and a gentleman came up to me six seven feet away. It was the afternoon that Troy Stetcher had signed, and he just said, "Perry man, like what's going on with this team?" And at that point, you're you're looking at, well, look at the exit ramp from Vancouver. There's no one here, and there's no one coming at Toffoli was coming after. And I just thought, what are we doing? And we had the conversation too, James, going, I think this team is going backwards. But to go forward because they'll allow people to have, uh, you know, have an opportunity. 25 minutes after 8 o'clock here on this now, Friday morning. Oh, and I want to see the – well, okay, we've got some uh, technical issues here we'll just kind of sort out, but it's 25 minutes after 8 o'clock here on this Friday morning. He's Perry. I'm James. Hey, NFL weekend coming up. Uh, we'll pre- we'll uh, make our own selections and picks for the uh, for the wild card uh, playoff weekend with all six games on tap. And then in a moment, no BS, people, just straight up PS right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Perry was in front. Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call BS. You want answers. I want the truth. It's not BS, just PS with Perry Solkowski. So much going on in the world of sports. On Sports at 650, it's 831. Fun facts and figures. We call it PS. You know, Cameo is a new way to get fans to have one of their favorites. Send them a message. You make the request. Well, someone did that of the Las Vegas Golden Knights, Ryan Reeves. He said, hey, Ryan, we'd love to have a message to my buddy Tom, who's just about to start his season. Well, Reeves, listen in. He smelt a rat. Now, look, I know this says for Tom, and I read your little thing, Chip Tamplin, but this sounded awfully suspicious to me. So I looked you up. You're a big Capitals fan. I wonder who this Tom could be. Listen. If you're gonna try and run with the best, you gotta do better than that. No, I'm not gonna tell Tom he's a good player. You know, he is a good player, I'll tell him that. But no, I'm not gonna tell him he's a good fighter. I don't know how he dresses, I don't keep up on his dress code. Don't try and play me, Chip Tamplin. Your life revolves around the Capitals. I know how to do my research too. I'm the king of this Don't with me. <laughs> Aren't you more jacked that he did that to you? Yes, yes, and you can get these, get all these athletes and celebrities to do these personalized messages now for a fee. And uh, you know what, though, that is so Ryan Reeves' personality, though. That's what I love about the fact that he was willing to play along with it. Oh, that Chip guy's got to love the, the fact that it, that he played it that way. Hey, uh, 1980, we were asked to believe in miracles in Lake Placid. You know, remember 20 years after that, we had another one. Today, the 21-year anniversary. Christie kicks it high and short. 
Going to be fielded by Lorenzo Neal at the 25. Yeah, give pitches it, it back to Wycheck. He throws it across the field to Dyson. He's got something. 30, He's 40, got something. 50, He's got 40, it. 40, He's got 40, it. 20, 10. He's got five, it. End zone. Touchdown, Titans. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. Tennessee has pulled a miracle. James, you know that announcer with a great call wishes he would have had Music City right there in the live call. He just said it's a miracle, but miracle in Music City, fun to watch that again. I remember being in the newsroom at the score that uh, afternoon, and, you know, it was everybody was just kind of, all right, well, Buffalo's moving on, looking at the next matchup, and then, okay, well, and, and just kind of watching half-heartedly, just, okay, we'll make sure here's the final play, and then wait a second. Oh, and what a dart by Frank Wycheck with that pass, right? And yes. then there's Dyson who just takes off down the sideline. And all of a sudden it was like, where is everybody on Buffalo? Hopefully this isn't an ominous sign for the Bills in their first playoff game in a while. Trust me, we'll, um, we'll see it tomorrow. We'll see yeah. it tomorrow as we get set to see if the Bills can get it done. Hey, P.S. everybody, first week of training camp and someone's still missing on Long Island. I need you. Like the flower needs the rain, you know I need you. Coquitlam's Matt Barzell, he was there for the physical. Monday, Barry Trotz, when he spoke to the media, said, listen, I'm not really worried about who isn't here. Uh, I'm just worried about who is here. Yesterday, Trotz changing his tune, and you wonder if that can be a little bit with management, going, listen, if you're going to start this season, you better get going right now. It's hard to miss time. I don't know if you can replace what we're doing here. It's tough for anybody to catch up. Now, the word is they continue to negotiate. It will be a three-year deal. But, boy, if there's one GM who's not going to budge, you got to know it's Lou Lamarillo. You know, at the same time, though, you know he was signing guys to some big contracts in New Jersey way back when as well. I, I You know, look, he's too valuable a piece to have him miss too long. The problem with the Islanders, though, Pear, is there's nine guys on that roster that are making $5 million or more on an AAV. I, I just, like, they're going to have to... They're going to have to get creative with some accounting here in the next few days to get Barzell under the cap. You're right in the numbers that they make, but you would also say the best player in the hockey team is Matt Barzell. So if you're looking, go, that's what you're paying him? And there yeah. the argument must be, listen, that was when they signed, right? That's a like, different world. Got to be tough to get adjusted to. Look at to. the guys. Like, look, like Anders Lee, their captain, makes $7 million, But, like, Brock Nelson makes $6 million. Jordan Eberle's 5 and a half. Andrew Ladd's 5 and a half still. Josh Bailey's 5. They, they just signed Jean-Gabriel Pajot when they made the deadline deal for him at $5 million a year. And then you look on the back end, you got – Letty and Pulak both at five. And then on the back, you know, your goaltender, Simeon Varlamov, five million. Like, there's a lot of guys getting paid except Matt Barzell right now. P.S., it is ball versus ball, LaMelo, Lonzo. How about what the dad was talking about three years ago before the Ball brothers got to the NBA? I'm concerned that your mouth might get in their way, though. My I'm, I'm concerned. I'm concerned. Because check this out. While my son is over there whooping that tail, all y'all worried about what the big baller gonna say next? No, we ain't gonna worry about that. Oh yes, you are. If your son's backing it up, we don't have to worry about. I don't about care it. about him backing up. He not. He ain't trying to prove nothing to nobody around here. He proved it to himself. 
Oh, LeVar Ball, man. He was a mouthpiece for his kids, but you got to know he's watching with pride as the two of them will play each other for the first time. And the first time they've ever played an organized game against each other tonight in the NBA. They got there, except for LiAngelo, but the two of them are there. Yeah, it's kind of a unique story. I mean, don't you kind of want to see, Is like, does LeVar get to be, I would hope he's a guest commentator on one of the broadcasts somewhere, on one of these regional broadcasts. You would think that he would show up. By the way, Leangelo, the third ball brother, uh, has not had an NBA minute played yet. He was bouncing around, was just let go of Detroit. He's thinking of maybe going into business with Cooper Manning. Right? How does that work? Your brothers make it, and you just can't get there. Or like, be like the one Sutter uh, relative that didn't make it to the National Hockey League. Exactly. There it is. No BS, everybody. That was just a little PS for you. 838. Hey, third Sedine. There was. Older brother, though, right? Peter, I think. Mm-hmm. Peter Sedine. I don't, hey, listen, that, that's uh, the NBA has been waiting for is a nationally televised game tonight to make sure that the, everyone gets to see this. And you're right. I would think at some point you hear from dad uh, because you want it. And good for him. It's got to be a proud moment as it is for any father that gets a chance to see. And yeah, you know what? There's another thing, James, as we talk about the world we're in and, and COVID and, and Cheech and, and Shorty saying they won't be traveling. How good are the moments that you see in the beginning of the NHL season? when a player makes his NHL debut and mom and dad are flowing in to watch, right? And you've got that camera on them and the pride that they have, the Pedersons watching Elias play, and everyone loved his his dad and mom, and there he is putting on a show. Another moment that we won't see as the NHL starts next week. Dunbar Lumber text line uh, always open for business uh, 24-7 at 650-650. Johnny Canuck uh, from Maple Ridge uh, texting in this morning and uh, just following up on our conversation on your Canucks commute this morning with Cheech and Shorty. And Johnny Canuck saying, am I just a Homer fan or does my take make sense here? I don't understand why analysts are saying the Canucks on paper got worse. Troy Stetcher was never a top four D man. He's a third pairing guy that had a lot of heart playing for the hometown team. On paper, we are worse. How? I will give them goaltending looks worse with Marky coming off his best year and Holpe coming off one of his worst. But they aren't accounting for Demko's development. On offense, Toffoli played 10 games for us and is a career 40 point per year player sure he did have 10 points in 10 games with us but no way is he an 80 to 100 point regular season player levo well he only stays healthy for half the game and is a career 18 point per season player hoags has more skill and upside but as an unknown jake would could shock us with more playing time on the second line and is already averaging 44 points per year in his last three years with the canucks now to D, Schmidt has averaged over 30 points with a plus 20 over the last three years, where Tanev has averaged just 14 points and a plus six. Um, you know, put it all together, and, uh, you know, it's a recipe for success. Johnny Canuck looking at this team and seeing it uh, much more optimistically than some. And I, and I think most people are starting to view this team in a more positive light pair where, to me, and I think we're on the same page here, the biggest hole is the, the glaring absence of Tyler Toffoli, that they never really replaced it. And the hope is that it's Niels Hoaglander to the rescue here in that spot on the in the top six. Well, first off, thanks for Johnny Canuck sending us the longest text. I mean, that took a half hour <laughs> for him to pound that out. It was really quick with the fingers. I agree. You know, I was actually surprised at, at the answer we got from, from both Cheech and Shorty when I said, do you not think the defense is better? 
because I think the upgrade is significant. There is a love affair that you have with locals. And Troy Stetcher was part of that love affair, right? But is he a significant piece that is missing on that blue line? No. And and when you take Chris Tanev, find me every GM in the NHL and or coach and say, Nate Schmidt and Travis Hamannick for for um, Chris Tanev and Troy Stetcher. 31 out of 31. Find me any coach anywhere. They go, yeah, we'll do that. So, yeah, I, I know. I mean, that's what you've done. And we know what Nate Schmidt can do. Travis Hamannick is not a guy that when you've been watching the Calgary Flames, you focus right on him, much like other people wouldn't focus on Chris Tanev. But I can't see how this team is not significantly better on the blue line. And, and Tyler Toffoli, I love James, but if somehow Hoglander can can set that void and fill that void and maybe achieve it, I think this team is better. Now, it might be different when you get to the taxi squad and you might have to throw more young guys in there, but how do you get better young guys develop? I think this is a better hockey team that left the bubble in Edmonton. Holpe needs a bounce back year. Demko needs to continue to grow. I think those are ones, and, and you, can you see that happening? Yes. I think on paper, the blue line is definitely an upgrade. Uh, they got to stay healthy, and I think they, you know, based on the history, that should be the case uh, for the guys that they did bring into the roster. And up front, it's it's a bit of an unknown at this point in time, but there's reason to be optimistic when you look at the young players and they continue to grow into the players that I think we all expect them to be, like Pedersen, Hughes, Besser, and Horvat. All right, some final thoughts before we turn things over to the Scott Rintoul show coming up at 9 o'clock. Wild card weekend playoffs in the National Football League. We'll try to help get you paid with our picks next right here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. NFL Wild Card Weekend kicking off tomorrow, three-game Saturday, three-game Sunday. James Savalski, Perry Solkowski uh, with you. Uh, all right, uh, let's see. Uh, you have been making a lot of money this NFL season, Pear. Um, so why don't you try to help uh, our listeners get paid? I'll try to do the same, but uh, based on your numbers this year, I think you uh, – People might want to listen to you instead. Uh, let's start with the Rams and the Seahawks. Seahawks at three-and-a-half-point favorites going into this one on the 140 kickoff tomorrow. What do you like? Well, this one's difficult because I've always been a Rams fan, and I really like their defense, but I like how the Niners played last week, and yet Russell was just going to figure out a way, and he did. And, you know, here's the one thing about play. Oh, home field, right? We have to get used to it. That was the big difference maker. I don't know if the Rams believe when they have the ball and what they can do. I will say Russell will be able to get the job done. I will put some money down this weekend. And when you say, oh, I've had a decent I've had a decent year with the NFL, you, you add a zero to whatever my starting point was uh, as far as money. So I was happy with that. I'm going to go with the Seahawks and give up the points but I'm not going to go hard with them because of what they have on the other side of the ball in Los Angeles. Don't don't undersell yourself, man. You turned hundreds into thousands. That's impressive. That's a, that's a good return on your investment, buddy. That's uh, nicely done. I, I'm with you on this, though. I, I, like, I like Seattle. The Rams can't score right now. Seattle's struggling with that, too. And I'd sooner take Russ than Jared Goff or John Wolford. Uh, Goff listed right now is questionable. And he had surgery on his dislocated and broken right thumb on December 28th. I mean, I don't know. So we're both on the Hawks and take the under in this one as well. 
Uh, Colts and Bills. Bills at six-point favorites going into uh, Saturday uh, morning. Tomorrow it's a 10 a.m. kickoff tomorrow. Yeah, you know what? I jumped on the Bills train at the right time. Uh, they played, I think, three weeks in a row. They had that national stage. Uh, I've always been a big fan. The numbers have always kind of swayed. If you can get them uh, seven or under, and they were six and a half now, I'm all on Josh Allen and the Bills. I like that football team. I think they could be playing for a couple of weeks still. Bills have won six straight. It'd be ten straight if not for a Hail Mary miracle from Arizona. Uh, to me, they're the only threat to Kansas City right now. I'm taking the Bills at minus six as well. Uh, Washington, uh, huge underdogs to uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks. who uh, Tampa, eight-point favorites going into the road. I'm going to take Washington to cover the number here. Uh, second fewest yards allowed per game here, Pair. They're going to make it frustrating for Tampa. Fourth fewest points in the league this year. Give me the Washington football team. I will probably even put a little money on this being just the outrageous upset. But I'll take Washington with the points. I just like Chase Young. And you know what? When he leaves the field, I'm like, Tom, I'm coming for you. Tom, I'm coming for you. Tom Brady isn't running away from anybody. Hasn't for years. The fact is that when Washington gets the ball, I don't know what they're doing offensively. They're going to need their defense to score once. They'll need some field goals. I say Tampa Bay will win, but I think Washington will keep it within the eight or nine points it'll be before they kick the ball off tomorrow night. Uh, Sunday, Ravens, three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against the Titans. I like the Titans here Sunday morning. Baltimore's won five straight, but the Titans at home, they've already shown the ability to beat Baltimore back on November 22nd, and give me the ground and pound from Tennessee here. I'm going to take the Titans at home. Before any game kicks off, I will place a bet on the Baltimore Ravens to win the Super Bowl. So there is where you know I am going. So there, you want someone who's turned hundreds into thousands this year. Uh, you know, like Brock Heard had said, this Baltimore team has been really good. Titans get in uh, thanks to how things played out last week and um i love the running game but i just think the baltimore football team they exited the playoffs so quick last year it was unexpected they've learned from it they're better i think baltimore will be playing football for a few weeks and as i said i'll put some money on them actually winning in tampa in a month's time okay we got about 90 seconds here bears and saints i like the bears to cover the nine and a half point favorites that the saints are favored by they had to go uh, overtime back in november and the saints needed the extra time to beat chicago bears offense better these days they won't win but they'll keep it close i'm taking the saints even though i'm giving up that much points sorry about it buddy uh steelers six point favorites at home to the browns you know what i'm going with experience here i'll take the steelers to get it done uh i think the COVID effect's going to wreak havoc on cleveland this weekend ben roethlisberger talking this week saying yeah I'm, I'm playing this like it's my last game but not just me everybody on our team should be playing that way they've been so disappointing after an incredible start and with cleveland and what they're dealing with with COVID, i i will give up the points to pittsburgh and think that they finally get back on track here with this football game against Cleveland. Enjoy the games, everybody, this weekend. Uh, we'll also keep you posted on everything, uh, all things Canucks this weekend, another scrimmage, and we'll have you covered here on Sportsnet 650. Some breaking news just coming down here in the last couple of moments. Uh, you know, one of the faces of Major League Baseball for me as a kid was Tommy Lasorda, the Dodgers, and he has passed away at the age of 93. Perry, you, to you, you met uh, Tommy Lasorda not too long ago, did you not? When I had a 15-minute interview with Tommy Lasorda early in my career, I actually left going, man, I hope that guy would adopt me. And he gave me a line 
that he has given out so many times saying, you know what, I've already told my wife when I die, I want my Dodger schedule attached to the tombstone because I want people who are in the cemetery visiting their loved ones say, let's go to Lasorda's grave and see if the Dodgers are playing home or away because I love this organization so much. I want to be working for it even after I'm dead. Tommy Lasorda passing away at the age of 93 this morning. Uh, gone, but certainly not forgotten. One of the faces of Major League Baseball during those prime years from the Dodgers in the 1980s. So we got to get out of here. Uh, he's Perry. I'm James. We're back at it. Same bad time, same bad channel. Monday morning, the Scott Rental Show is next right here on your home of the Canucks Sports at 650.